Okay, how you doing, everybody? Welcome to the John Riley Project. This is going to be kind of a fun one, sort of an impromptu podcast. Um, we're just going to be sharing some thoughts and commentary on the local Poway elections. You know, we've got a lot of great candidates. A lot of the candidates have come here into the studio. And we've had wonderful interviews with them, but there's a lot of amazing dynamics, a lot of stories going on in this race. And so I'm going to share my thoughts and comments. We're going to get into the California propositions, which I think is going to be kind of fun. And the San Diego County propositions, I'll kind of hit on some highlights, some of the interesting uh, propositions on the ballot, not just in San Diego, but in Carlsbad and Chula Vista. You know, it's like measures A through Z. So we'll kind of hit on a few of those highlights. So that's our agenda. And hey, you know what? This is sort of an impromptu podcast and I've got an impromptu guest and that gentleman is Pete Neal. How are you, Pete? I'm great. I'm great. Heard you were going to be on your own and I said, nah, he needs company. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. (laughs) So I'm going to come up. So, you know, we we were planning on, on having Frida Brunzel here tonight and she's a bit under the weather. So we've moved her one day later. She'll be on uh, Wednesday at 7. She's running for Poway School Board in area – I always get the letters mixed up. I know it's not C. I think it's B, um, if I'm not mistaken. But she's in the race uh, that's representing North Poway and uh, Northeast Rancher Bernardo. She's running against Ginger Couvret. And another gentleman whose name, Dave Nelson, who's also in that race. So she'll be with us tomorrow at seven. But today we're just going to wing it. Wing it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. So um, for, for those of you in, in the, on the live stream, all of you are welcome to participate in this podcast. We welcome your thoughts and comments. We're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. That means you can type in your questions and comments on Facebook and YouTube. We'll show them on the screen and we invite your thoughts and comments already. The live stream audience is building. We're ramping up. This is all good. Okay. Um, Pete, this is a crazy election season, isn't it? This is so different from the election that, that I ran in. Mm-hmm. And you've had virtually all the candidates that are for positions in Poway. Well, <laughs> minus no. a few. Yeah, minus a few. <laughs> okay. But when I've seen what's taking place here, I said, I want to do a podcast with John where we talk about it just before the final votes come in. Okay, there's a vast number of ballots that have already been cast. I'm the last one in my family to vote. Everybody else in my family has already sent their ballots. This is my ballot here. I haven't even opened the envelope on it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been reading things, but I I haven't started voting yet because. Well, mine's sitting right by my recliner and I look at it frequently throughout the evening when I'm relaxing and Mm -hmm. looking at it. But. God, there's just so much going on that I said, John, I, I got to come and talk before the election. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. You know, we're yeah. going to have some fun. We're going to go through some of these races. Um, and because all the and when the guests, aren't they all great? I mean, every one They've of them has fantastic. come in here. Yeah. And whether or not you agree or disagree with their politics, they're all good people. Right. Yeah. They all mean well. They all are in it for the right reasons or so it appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have good hearts. You know, they just have a different way of solving problems in our town. They maybe see things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've we've invited um, many guests um, either this election cycle and previous election cycles 
Some have been invited, never took the offer. Some have been invited and have declined. Uh, others have invited and have taken the invitation. That's why we don't have everyone here. Right. Um, now, granted, I could, you know, hound dog and chase everyone down. I'm not doing that. Right. And you shouldn't. Yeah. This is a voluntary thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think by now, this is our third cycle doing this. So yeah. I think most people probably know that I exist. Yeah. And if they're interested, they can reach out. And there's still time. You know, if you're a candidate and you want to get on this podcast, just send an email to john at johnreillyproject.com or direct message me on Facebook or on Twitter. Or just get a hold of me. There's a lot of ways to reach me. And we'd love to squeeze you in here as we get down the home stretch. Mm. Okay, so... I want to start off just very briefly talking about an interesting situation that I was involved in. And this was um, this was sometime last week. And I was uh, I was I was direct message by Tony Russo, you know, candidate for District three. And he says, hey, we're, we're doing this press conference down at Hollyoke. And and if you know, Hollyoke is that street that's right off of mid Midland. Midland. Yeah. yeah, Midland Road. I always get Midland Midway. Yeah. So Midland Road and Twin and, Peaks. And Twin Peaks. If it's it's Yeah. Okay. Well that's where Hollyoke is. Right. That's right. the reality. Right. It's on the corner. And it's that community where there are those relatively newer homes that all look like they were built in on new in New England. Is there's the there's a touch of old Poway to it and New England style there. I mean when when Wendy and I were looking at homes. We looked at that area intensively because I'm from mm. Rhode Island, and it yeah. appealed to me. Yeah. Okay. I said, this is back east, you know. But there was enough of a touch of being in Poway, and it was a great neighborhood. Unfortunately, we changed our mind and moved into the lower Palisades instead. Well, your, your house is gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's great, especially during the Christmas season, which we're getting close to right, <laughs> right now. Right, right. Okay. So anyways, this Hollyoke community is like this. days, by the way. Okay. okay. <laughs> you have like a special advent calendar that goes backwards like nine. 49 to 90. the winter solstice. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's your, that's your reference point. Okay. So this Hollyoke way is like a little cul-de-sac that's off of Midland. And, um, you know, it's, it's been there, you know, I don't know when they built those homes. It must have been about 20 years ago or so when they Usually. built and, and next to them is this huge open lot. And it's the huge open lot is visible off of Twin Peaks Road. Um, and they're now putting in development. And the neighbors there are really mad, really mad, you know. And so Tony Russo was trying to organize this press conference. And his objective, and I assume that he was the ringleader of this, was to get – other candidates to come together in solidarity. Mm-hmm. He was hoping to get Kevin Juza, his opponent, to join him and to get Chris Cruz and others to join him. And it didn't come off that way. It was just Tony uh, kind of putting the whole thing together. But he had about five of the neighbors. He told me about it. And I was like, lunchtime on an afternoon. And, you know, I work from home. So I just zinged down there to to check it out. And, you know, it was incredible to listen to what their their story is. Now, they are they are not angry that there is development. They understand there's going to be new construction. They know there's a need for housing. They're not necessarily right. NIMBYs. And something had to be done with that field. Yeah, and they realize it's going to be built on. Yeah. But they just don't like the way they're going about it. Right. And they don't like a lot of things about it. They They had a lot of objections to the way the city council kind of 
runs business, right? Mm -hmm. That their local representative, John Mullen, they didn't feel like was representing them. That met with them on the street corner of Hollyoke and Midland, and they wanted to bring them up to the end of the cul-de-sac and kind of show them. And according to those neighbors, John Mullen declined. They didn't feel represented. They felt like other people on city council or the mayor were saying one thing and doing another. And so they were really frustrated. But their main concern, there's two angles, they said, is that if the homes were built in a style similar to theirs, they'd have no problem opening up the cul-de-sac and letting them you know, be part of a larger neighborhood. Mm-hmm. If they had that old Poway, New England kind of vibe, similar density, just a natural extension, they were like, hey, that's cool. We're up for that. They also said... That, okay, if if you're going to do this plan where you're going to have higher density, large homes on relatively smaller lots, also with granny flats, and it's kind of a, they're packed in more, and you're not going to follow the same architectural guidelines that they have, that they have now. They said, oh, that's okay too, but just put the entrance off of Twin Peaks and you guys can come in and out there just like the other streets off of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and just leave us alone. And they said, and, and besides, if you wanted to have them all come through Holly Oak, you're just going to make a right turn on Midland and then go to Twin Peaks and then get on Twin Peaks anyways. Right. So you may as well just have the, the, uh, the traffic there, but um, that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Apparently, they're going to put in the housing plan large houses, small lots with granny flats, relatively higher density, different architectural plan, and the Hollyoke cul-de-sac is going to be extended. And they're really, really angry. Um, And Tony Russo was there. And hey, to Tony's credit, he's trying to bring people together and he was trying to get this thing organized. Um, And I just kind of listened. And it was was just interesting to hear people vent. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to share this experience. A, neighbor, a neighborhood vent. Yes. There were about, um, I could tell you the names of the people that were, were there. There was Jim Brenner, who was kind of the, the main spokesman. Um, Scott Simi and his wife, Bernadette Simi. Camille Stewart was there. Donna Kent, Andrew Vasquez. Um, Yuri Boland showed up. Merrill Mer- candidate Yuri Boland. And he had his thoughts. And you know he's talking about his residential um, advisory committee and hoping that can help solve some of these problems. And of course, Tony Russo was there, Sonia Kasky. So there were about eight or nine people. And um, it was a, Tony's idea of bringing the other candidates together, I thought was pretty interesting. But we're now kind of in the home stretch. And I think candidate A doesn't want to be on camera with candidate B and you know how that sort of yeah. thing goes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what are your thoughts on that neighborhood specifically? I agree with the people in that neighborhood 100% from my very uneducated perspective. Okay? Mm-hmm. My only education with that neighborhood is from the church parking lot. All right. Um, that church hall there where the school is. This is a school too, you know. It's got some kids running around there all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. But the Corvette uh, North County Corvette Club used it as a meeting hall for quite a long time. So I used to go out before the meeting, after the meeting, during the meeting, and look at that lot. And, you know, you can see all the way to the soccer field. Oh, yeah, down. yeah. It's a long way to look down. Mm-hmm. But the lot that they're talking about is that right alongside the church. Right. Okay. 
and it's due for some expansion, but it's it's in a tough place, and the people who live in that neighborhood know that because they live there, all right? Maybe they didn't know that when they moved in, but Midland is the main road that goes down through Old Poway Park. Whether you're coming from Twin Peaks or Poway Road, down Midland, you're headed to Old Poway Park, right. which is a park setting. Um, so you're getting the feel of the buildings from Old Old Poway are there. They moved the, the meeting hall and everything to that location. Mm-hmm. That's part of Poway's history there. Okay. Unfortunately, the buildings are not in their original location. They were moved to this site. The architecture of the shops that are nearby, all old Poway styled. Right. As you get further away, okay, you start moving into the typical Southern California stucco homes. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> but they didn't. That development went in with this quasi-mix. And that's the part that was very attractive to me when I was looking at, to move off of Golden Way. So you're right. Around 95 is about when. Yeah, somewhere so on there. Maybe 25 years ago or yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was attracted to it. I think they're doing the right thing in their move. And it's unfortunate that the developer to this point is not cooperating and neither is the city. Mm-hmm. All right. It's got to be a team effort. Damn it. Everything in Poway should be a team effort. And mm-hmm. it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. It's been going downhill for the last 8, 12 years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hearing about it. You've heard about it in the podcast. Yeah. Well, you know. A lot of people have been expressing their views. You know, when I did the Tony Russo podcast, you know, I break it up into segments and there's one segment about the Twin Peaks development mm-hmm. and it's one of the most watched segments of the Tony Russo oh, podcast. It's had a lot of attention. I mean, yeah, it wasn't – I think it was back as far as my – the 2018 election when they were talking about veterans housing, low-income housing, closer down to the soccer field area there. But that died because um, who was it backed out of it at the eleventh hour? Home, home. It's some yeah. organization that builds homes for people. Habitats for humanity. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that fell apart. So this is the second one that I'm aware of. I mean, others may have come and popped up, and I just didn't hear about them. But mm-hmm. but this is the second one. Well, this one, just for the record, is not. For veterans, not no, for low no, this income. Is a pure development. The other interesting thing that I heard from the neighbors there that really surprised me is, you know how they have the deal where the 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 developer can add density if they make one home low income. You know, it's kind of a loophole right. to allow more density, and so they're doing that. But then the developer bought the low income home, and they're going to rent it out. For some period of time. And I'm like, that's not really within the spirit of what, you know, that plan is. So, so anyways, you know, again, for the audience, we welcome your thoughts and comments. If you have thoughts about this Hollyoke uh, situation off of Twin Peaks, we're going to get into some more, some more of the stuff that's going on with the election. We're going to get into the the finances and a lot of follow up on the Amita Saravala podcast, but uh, we welcome your thoughts. So if you're on the live stream on YouTube or on Facebook, just type in your comments and questions and we'll share them on the screen. Um, So 
you know, I think to a degree, the, the horse is out of the barn. You know, they're, they're already tearing things down. Mm-hmm. There's actually some abandoned buildings on that property I had no idea existed. Right. No, they're there. And so uh, the, those are in the process of being torn down. And, um, you know, I, apparently, according to Tony Russo, uh, the, he says the reason that the developer doesn't want to have the inlet, outlet, or you say ingress re- – what did he say? Ingress, ingress, re- egress. egress on, on Twin Peaks is because it costs a lot more money to yep. build the intersection and the stoplights and everything else. And, you know, I can see his point to a bit because really, if you're going to get out of that area onto Twin Peaks, it's a right turn only. Yeah. There is no, there's no chance that you're going to try to make a left turn. Unless there's a three-way safely. stop. Unless you put a stop sign in. No way. Not right. on Twin Peaks. It's got enough already. Right. All right. So, yeah, the neighbors would have an issue with that because that just gets you deeper into Poway to turn mm-hmm. in a right turn. You want to turn left to get out to the 15 and down into Kearney Mesa to get your job. You know, maybe you'll be employed in the South Poway Business Park, and then it's not too hard. You just have to follow a Spolo all the way around. Right. All right. But, uh, yeah, Twin Peaks – it's a right turn only. So, yeah, I can understand his position, but if you look at it from the point of view of the people that live there, that's a long street with no access. Yeah. Well, I mean, just for the record, Tony Russo is I don't is not supportive of putting the stoplight on Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, yeah. pardon me, he is supportive of that. Oh, really? Yeah, he is. Because well, he wants to protect, that's Tony Russo wants to protect the Hollyoke folks. Mm-hmm. And that's part of you know, his campaign platform. But, you know, I remember talking to Kevin Juza about this issue, and he, Kevin brought up an interesting point. And he said, shouldn't the city be the one that makes the decisions on where the streets go? Oh, yeah. Because the city is in, in charge of the streets. Yes. Uh, and here they're, you know, uh, kind of letting the developer make those decisions. Wash their hands of it. Yeah. And I thought that was a valid point. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I have a little bit of different opinions on some of this development, maybe than some. But I thought that Kevin made a good point. The city should be the one to make the call. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're appeasing the developer for, you know, we can go into conspiracy theory on that. But um, just I thought it was just a really interesting event that Tony sort of threw together and it was disappointing that other candidates and other, let's just say, community activists chose not to participate in um, because of political alignment and that sort of thing. You the, know, the visibility issue too close to the actual election. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So uh, it's just a really interesting topic. So, OK, l- we covered that. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this Amita Saravala podcast. You know, that we had on Friday night. That was something. I, I thank you for having him on. Um, his paths and mine have crossed uh, a couple of times. I like him. Okay, is my first impression. He's a hell of an organizer. Um, now, <laughs> I'm coloring myself here a little bit. I want to clarify something for the world that I tried to clarify in 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a registered Democrat because I wanted to piss my father off. That's a great story. <laughs> All right. He was a staunch Republican, mm-hmm. and I was the rebellious son, and I registered as a Democrat way back when, mm-hmm. okay, uh, just to get him very angry. 
Okay. And it worked. He was very angry with me. Well, and he was a minister as well. So, yeah. 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 But the point is that when I started, when I, after I got out of the military and I started to think about who I was and where I fit and what my history had done for me, uh, that's when I adopted the Jeffersonian Republican Party. Okay. Now, you realize that eventually became the Democratic Party. Right. Okay. But it was a branch off by Thomas Jefferson from the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the focus of the Jeffersonian Republican Party is exactly my focus. Could you color me today as an independent? Sure. All right. I'm some of my ideas I understand with the Republicans, some of the ideas I I feel with the Democrats. I'm right in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. All right. Unfortunately, I'm not changing my position. He's still listening. Yes, I'm still a registered Democrat. So when I ran in 2018, I had to go to the Democratic Party. Right. And this endorsement process that he talked about in his podcast, let me tell you, I made a comment at the time. It's a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. They they challenge you. They run you through the ringer. They ask you questions that are crazy. It was, if you are a Democrat, a pure Democrat, I can see where you could answer yes, no problem to every question asked. But you put somebody in my position. Yeah. All right. I can't I can't promote that. I can't stand behind that cuz that's not me. That's not me as an individual. And besides that, I'm running for city council where party isn't supposed to count. <laughs> right. But I need your help. Yeah. In the election. So, yeah, it was a torturous thing and I just want to clarify anybody who's going to run in the future. Um, Democrats not easy, no. but it's much it's 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 better because they did endorse me. They, yeah, after, you, yeah, after three torturous interviews from, I mean, mm-hmm. you're standing up in front of a group of fifty, sixty people. Oh and, yeah, and it, it started off in Poway, but then it got north and. You know, I, I don't know how they determine their territories for their groups, but eventually I was North County. So th- th- this is an interesting thing because I think a lot of people don't understand the process. Mm-hmm. You know, voters, yeah, they run you through the gauntlet to get the political party endorsement. Yeah. And some candidates will say whatever is necessary to get that endorsement. That's correct. Yep. And there are other candidates that have principles like you that get, get into a pickle, mm-hmm. you know, because – I know that they'll ask you questions that are irrelevant to Poway. Totally. You know, that are, totally. that are more like national issues yeah. and yeah. – and, uh, but they just want to make sure that you're kind of, you know, drinking from the same Kool-Aid as they are. Yeah. And I was – and again, I was running for Poway City Council. My only concern – Was Poway. Is the city of Poway. I could give a rat's ass about the rest <laughs> of it because I don't live there. <laughs> Well, let's let's get back to the 2022 election in Poway right. and a meets podcast. And, you know, again, we welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. So, you know, feel free to you know chime in with with uh, any questions and thoughts you have. Yep. Um, but there were two big parts to that podcast. There was one about the voter demographics in Poway mm-hmm. and there was one about the money. So let's talk about the voter demographics. OK. And he basically presented that there has been a significant change in the voter registration in Poway Mm -hmm. just in the last four years, the last eight years, Mm -hmm. um, where Poway was a heavily 
dominant Republican city. And now it's getting closer to 50-50. Yeah. The 2020 election was very interesting to watch. Uh, 2018, it didn't really help me. Okay. It was still very much a Republican. Well, I ran against four of them. Right. (laughs) Three of them. Excuse me. There was four of us. But I ran against three Republicans. (coughs) So, yeah. um, I was the odd man out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's it's interesting because I think you, you you've got a lot of things going on in Poway over the last you know four to six years. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, there's the whole Trump presidency, mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of Republicans, which I think had a large influence on it. By a way. huge, yeah, because there's a lot of Republicans that are like hardcore Republicans, but just didn't like Trump, and then they kind of had some misgivings. And I know that Poway voted more for Biden than Trump in 2020. Yeah. And I think some of them switched because they didn't like Trump. I think there are others that for a lot of other policy positions of the Republican Party, they weren't comfortable mm-hmm. and they switched. And then meanwhile, with all this new housing in Poway, people are moving in. Right. OK, so the the, the mix of people is different. Um, and so a lot changes in four years when you have a city council election. And I remember when I ran in 2014, Poway was 45% Republican, 30% independent or third party, and 25% Democrat. Mm -hmm. Almost a two to one ratio of Republicans to Democrats. And Amit said it was like 11,000 and change Republicans and 10,000 and change Democrats. Yep. That's incredible. It's changed quite a bit. Yeah. Now, also keep in mind that... Poway was not difficult to live in, okay, um, up until this time frame that we're talking about, okay. Um, politics never came into my mind when I moved to Poway, other than the fact that here was a city that had just told San Diego to go to hell. <laughs> right? Yeah. They had become a city because of building. Mm-hmm. Sierra Mesa was being built out. Sierra Mesa was building, being built out. But Poway had quartered off a section of turf with a mountain, with a hill ridge in it, and everything was on the far side of the hill. We're moving there. Mm -hmm. Well, Wendy was concerned about the schools. Poway Unified School District has a great reputation. That's right. All right. Didn't, you know, amount to a hill of beans and bottom line, but the reputation was there. So we moved to Poway as a renter. On Hill Country Drive. And it was that political seed of Poway standing up to San Diego that attracted me here. And I rode that for a lot of years. Yeah. Up until the last decade and a half. So what's happening is I'm not alone. There's other people that are even moving in today that are moving into the reputation of Poway and are totally oblivious to the politics of it caving right now. All right. So that, I think, is showing up in the numbers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of dynamics going on. We're going to yeah. talk about some of this. We do have a couple of comments here from the audience members. I want to get everyone involved here. So um, here's uh, one comment, and this is from... Uh, Bob Geis, he says, sorry, who is your guest? I tuned in 10 minutes ago. His name is not on the screen. Thanks. 
Pete Neal. Pete Neal. Yeah. So the, the way this all went down is that we were supposed to have our podcast this, this evening with Poway Unified School District candidate Frida Brunzel, but she's under the weather. So we postponed that till tomorrow night. And I made an announcement I was going to do a solo podcast. And then this afternoon, Pete calls me and says, hey. Can I come over and we could talk things through? I said, sure. Yeah. So um, that's how easy it is to be a guest on my podcast. Yeah. So it's uh, funny when some people choose not to be here. That's a whole other thing. So, uh, yeah, so it's Pete Neal. And I, I, Pete has been on this podcast. 23 times. It, it really? Have you counted? Yes. Of course, like you've counted. Okay, so it's 23 times, and we've done a lot of great episodes. Uh, but I met Pete in the 2018 cycle when you were a candidate in District 1. Yes. In fact, you were my first guest. That's correct. Um, which was episode three. Right. And we're on episode 296. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, that's Pete Neald. And, uh, and Delta Esparza, mayoral candidate, says, yeah, the guest is Pete Neald. And Bob Guy says, thanks. Um, and then uh, we have a comment here from Yuri Bolin. And he says, hey, I was going door to door to share my flyer in various neighborhoods. And by chance went to Holly Oak Way and saw the crowd at the cul-de-sac. I didn't know about it until I was there. Oh, that's cool. interesting, Yuri. Um, I I heard about it. I, Tony let me know, like, what, what day was that? It was like Thursday, I think, of last week. Or was it Monday of this week? I get my days confused. But he let me know about it like at 10 in the morning. And I guess it got started at noon or something like that. It was kind of an impromptu press conference that didn't fully come together, but we had a really interesting combo, and it was great that you were there. So, super. Um, okay, so... Uh, Way anyway. important, Yuri. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was good karma that you were there, Yuri. So, that's all good. Um, so, uh, the, the voter registration shift, to me, is amazing um, because everybody on the city council, as far as I know is a registered Republican. Um, I, I wouldn't know. I don't pry into that. I think they are. Um, well, Steve Voss certainly is. Um, and I believe the other four members are registered Republicans. Um, and it, we haven't, we, the last Democrat on the city council was uh, Jim Cunningham. But generally, Democrats have been a bit of a rarity in leadership positions in Poway. It, it's never been an issue party before. Correct. It never was an issue. Never You're was right. an issue. And damn it, it should be that It shouldn't way. be an issue. Yeah, you're right. Except for people who, like me, who decide to run with no contributions and do it on your own dime, you'd like to have that political endorsement. So when they get to the down ballot. Oh, yeah. It makes a right. difference. You're there. Yeah. And it's for the record, I'm neither Republican or Democrat. I'm independent. I've got. I've got a lot of problems with the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, and I share a lot of my thoughts and opinions, usually on my solo podcasts. Um, but uh, I know that when I ran in 2014, um, I was shocked to find out how much influence the, the political parties had in endorsing these down ballot local elections because they put a lot of resources to helping those candidates. They get on like, you know, I got knocked on the door. This is the San Diego Democrats put a, you know, their, their list of endorsed candidates on, on my door because my son is a Democrat and he, he's living in Oklahoma where there's a bunch of Republicans, which is kind of funny. Um, and um, they, um, um, they, you know, these things make a difference, you know, if the party's endorsing because a lot of people don't pay attention to local races. And if they're a Democrat and they say this is who the Democrats are endorsing, they just go check, check, check. Um, and then 
they have they put you know canvassers out there that are you know putting a lot of bodies and a lot of financial resources behind these candidates. So yeah. even though on the surface it's nonpartisan, behind the curtain it's very partisan and it's incredible. Um, so I just thought that was fascinating that I think you know with this shift in demographics. There might be a surprise on election night. Maybe. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. So the second point that really came up in the the, the Amita Saravala podcast was the finances. And when we really went into some detail there, and a lot of that was mind-blowing as well, Pete. I mean, just to kind of touch on the top level here is that most of our local city council races – most of the money is usually collected in small amounts from mostly locals. Mm-hmm. I think there's a $250 campaign limit. Correct. You know, two election cycles ago, I think the campaign limit was 100 bucks. You know, so financially speaking, most Poway mayoral and, and city council races were small money. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, Amita Saravala, went, you know, who, by the way, is the president of the Democratic Club in Poway, he said that nowadays you could expect for a district race about, you know, $12,000 raise, maybe 10000 depending on who you are. Unfortunately, it's gotten that high. Yeah. It's gotten that high. And look, <clears throat> from my point of view in 2018, what is my campaign money going to buy? All right. And I'm going off of the traditional way of Poway. Yeah, I'm going to have some signs made up to stick in some people's driveways. I hate that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't a lot, want a lot of people right. hate those signs. All right. <laughs> but over the period of time, I've discovered that it's a combative issue. If, you're com- if your opponent is putting signs up, you better have some signs up. Yeah. Okay. I learned my lesson from my run that, yeah, I should have sprung for some signs. All right. The next thing is mailers. Mm-hmm. I don't need a mailer. I went to the Democratic Party. They sent my name out on that piece of paper right there. Yeah. All right. If people are going to do that, pay attention to that door hanger, okay, I'm already there. I don't need to do it. So I could do it on the low dollars. The reason we've gotten up into the 10K, 12K is because we've got to combat the bigger problem. Back to you, John. Okay, nice segue. So when Amita Saravala was here, he was sharing, um, you know, a lot of the numbers about the financial picture here in Poway has changed, at least the campaign finance. Um, And one of the candidates, uh, Brian Pepin, who's running in District 1, according to Amit's research, has generated $70,000 in donations, um, all from individual donors with a max of a $250 contribution. So on one level, it sounds like, oh, my God, he must have just so many people that support him. And he does have a lot of people that support him. But besides the fact that that was, you know, five to six times what most city council races usually generate in funding, 16 percent of his individual donors weren't from Poway at all. You know, and so you're like, wow, this is really interesting. And granted, he is. Very well connected in San Diego County. His, he, you know, he's the former president of the Lincoln Club. Um, he's very involved with the Republican Party. I mean, most uh, most candidates are going to get. He has some baggage. Well, or, or he has a network. You know, you want to put the you positive. Call it a network. 
It's a baggage. He's okay. carrying a lot of stuff with him. Well, he's got a lot of people that are giving him money. And so on one level, you can say, hey, he's got a lot of support. On another level, you can say, well, a lot of this money is not Poway money. That's right. And so um, that's why I think part of the reason Amit brought that up. Um, and then beyond that, and, I, and by the way, the mayoral race, I think Mayor Voss has raised roughly about 40000 and I think a little bit that a little bit less than half is from Poway and a little bit more than half is from outside Poway, according to what Amit shared, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's a mayoral race. And I'm certain that Mayor Voss's competitors have raised a tiny fraction of the $40,000 that he's raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing, you know, some of that money being spent on mailers. We're seeing some of the money being spent on social media ads, signs. And, and other initiatives. Um, but then there was this whole other tier of funding that came from the political action committees. That was, and again, I think a lot of people don't really understand this because yeah. we think we're little old Poway and it's just people writing a check to their buddy who's running for school, school not, board or for city way. council. That, sadly, sadly, it's not that way. And that's, that's why I asked to come on this podcast. And yeah. When I heard that you were going to be doing this podcast, I said, he's got to hit this point because I don't think a lot of people fully understand um, that particular issue. And, and, and I'm talking to you now, Poway. All right. I did an early count. I do not have the scientific methods of going in and getting quick access to the 460 forms and the 496 forms, but you can do it manually. You can go on the website. It's all public access information. Okay, but to see the trail of the money into this election for one guy who's been here five years, Mm -hmm. all right, it's ludicrous. You know what that money – everybody looks for a return on investment. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, because certainly there's there's going to be family and friends that they're going to support their their loved one. That's a certain fraction of those donors. But yeah, most of the people that are donating to candidates, and it's true at, in all levels of politics, mm-hmm. whether you donate at, for you know U.S. Congress or Senate or President of the United States, mm-hmm. people are supporting those candidates because of the policies that are in their platform that they support. So they want to elect that candidate because they like what they're saying. On another level, the candidate has – the city council has a tremendous amount of power in the city um, to make decisions about how our local economy runs, mm-hmm. including housing, including business interests. And so a lot of those donors come from those that want to have influence on city council. And so that was the fascinating part about this, how um, Amit Saravala shared that um, – Certain large donors that are sometimes development companies or are trade organizations that represent home builders and and developers and contractors were giving money to a group called Community Voices, which is a political action committee, who then gave money to the San Diego Police Officers Association. This is the circle that I'm talking about. Which, by the way, the San Diego Police Officers have nothing to do with Poway. We're governed by the sheriff, which is from the county. We're not governed, but we're policed by the sheriff, sure, which is a county function because the city of Poway chooses to contract that out. And so the San, then the San Diego political, San Diego Police Officers Association 
was spending money um, on ads, a lot of it in District 1, trying to tear down Brian Pepin's opponent, Hiram Soto. Correct. Um, and so you see all behind the curtain, all this money being moved around, and you're like, whoa. You know, we know this happens at the national level, mm-hmm. but little old Poway, this is starting to happen here. Yeah. And, and that was shocking. It, it, it's a scary thing because those stupid little flyers that come in the mail from the political action committee, okay, say things, all right, that people believe. Oh, yeah. They don't research it. Oh, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not the truth. Okay, you've got to dig into it to the depth to understand it or just talk to the people. Right. All right. It's very upsetting to me. Very it, upsetting. It, 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 it's, it's, how do I say this? It's, it's logical that it's happening because there's a lot of change in Poway. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of financial interests that can benefit from the change in Poway. You know, whether they're home developers or other kinds of business organizations or investors. Um, and so they're attempting to buy influence. I understand that logically, but it's the whole concept of money and politics has a, is a corrupting influence. Yeah. Um, because then you question whether or not a politician is a representative of the people or a representative of their donors. Um, and in a local race, a local nonpartisan race, you would hope that there would be a lot less, um, you know, donor influence in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like we've crossed the Rubicon yeah. in, in Poway. Yeah. Well, I, it's sad because the two things that I had as my agenda when I ran have totally gone away. All right. <laughs> Listening. That's my, that was my agenda. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to you. You tell me what my agenda should be. All right. That's what I, everybody I talked to in district one, that's what I, they walking down the street. I don't knock on doors. Didn't disturb anybody. But if you're in the front yard, you're a fair game <laughs> in your driveway, get into your car, not unloading groceries, but I wouldn't stop that. But I go up and say, look, you tell me what my agenda should be. What are your interests? What are you concerned about with Poway? Okay. So, um, unfortunately, it didn't work. I didn't get elected. Okay. The other thing that I put up there as an agenda was, and I passed this on to the current city council after I lost. I said, look, this is important because people don't come to city council meetings as much as they want to, to let you know what the issues are in Poway because you don't listen to them, all right? Your own statement on the documentation says, we can take no action on what you talk about. And they say it's subject to the Brown Act. Well, that's only one part of the sentence in the Brown Act, all right? It continues to tell them that it can be listened to, commented on, discussed, and passed over to the appropriate individual in the city staff. That's not in the public comment. Mm -hmm. So when you go up there, they're not going to be able to act on what you're talking about. They're not listening to me. Put the whole damn statement in. If you're going to adhere to the Brown Act, comply with the law, but listen to people. And they don't listen. Well, that's that's been a you know a common theme in this election cycle. Now I know that 
when you do public comment, they always limit you to three minutes um, because I can understand that to a degree, just logistically. If you have a whole bunch of speakers, you'd be there till midnight Right. Um, if you let everyone have unlimited time. And you're only getting 16000 a year anyway for a city council person. So Yeah. Know. Yeah. That's what they get paid, which is modest. Um, and then, yeah, you've heard the story that they can't respond. Although I've been in school board meetings where I've been a public speaker and then they've fired back. That's a different organization. Yeah, but you would assume that the rules were like state rules, but whatever. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so um, the money in politics was really surprising. Again, we have a couple more comments here from the audience. And this is from mayoral candidate Yuri Bolin. He says, I'm the only self-funded candidate in this year's election. In 2018, it was Pete and I and nobody else. When you're when you're you're self-funded, you don't owe any favors. Exactly. Exactly. Yuri's got it right on the money there. But okay, when you are attacked by political action committees, all right, you've got to be able to defend yourself. And if you have no money, and if you got no money, you don't have a chance. Right. All right. Unless you come on the John Riley Project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. not charge you nothing. To yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so I'm just bringing up my, the other part of the screen here. So uh, it, Amit brought up an interesting point. He said, you know, there's two points of view on it, right? If you take no money, then you can sort of be pure. You can be above any of that influence and, you know, potential corrupting influence. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he said that in today's politics, a lot of times financial support is an indicator of voter support. And it indirectly gives you a sense of like who is in, who is likely to win. Um, and to your point, when there are attack pieces, you got to have money to defend yourself. You got to have money to defend yourself. Yeah. And it, it's expensive to run a campaign. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of things have changed nowadays because um, – you know, with social media, I think a lot of campaigning is done online and it's a lot less expensive than, you know, doing direct mail pieces and paying, you know, a lot of money for postage and everything else. Mm-hmm. So um, at any rate, um, I do want to actually address a few things from that podcast because we had a really great and lively um, uh, live stream audience and we were getting zinged with questions and I was trying to answer them all. And we got a bunch of commentary that came in after the live stream occurred and a lot of questions, in some cases, challenges. And I want to respond to those objections. Knock yourself out. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit here and drink my water. Okay. All right. I'll let you do that. Okay. So um, one of them was, uh, I w- and the, most of these were from Mike Devine. And Mike, I love you, man. Uh, and Mike loves a good political debate. Okay. Mike, Mike knows how to stir things up. Yeah, he, he does. Really does. But yeah. I, I, and full, I appreciate that. I do too. And out of full disclosure, I just want to respond to some of these things. He says, I I wonder which candidate John interviewed that he disagrees with. They're all Democrats. And first of all, um, I'm not a Democrat. I'm independent. Secondly, and I've tried to make this clear multiple times, many times throughout this whole podcast history, I have strong opinions on a lot of things, but I usually share those more in my solo podcasts. When I'm doing an interview I am trying to coax out of my guest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Mike realizes that. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff that John Riley and I do not agree upon. Yes, okay. <laughs> we just don't go there. Right. All right. Uh, during the podcast, or even as the friends you've turned out to be. 
you know. Well, right on. And see, you know. and the and the areas where we have disagreement makes our our friendship even more interesting, right? Right. I mean, if we're all the same, it'd be really boring. EV. Corvette, yeah, yeah, we won't go down there. We won't go there. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, I and I've I've had a lot of Republicans that have been on this podcast this election cycle. Patrick Batten, who's running for school board, Yuri Bolin, a Republican, Tony Russo, a Republican, Pete Murray, who's running for judge, he's a Republican. Um, so I interview re- Republicans and Democrats. I take them all, including independents, if they're running. You know, so I try to make this podcast a community forum. It's open to all candidates. If you want to be interviewed as a candidate, send me an email: john at johnreillyproject.com. Send me a direct message on Facebook, on Twitter. Respond to a YouTube comment. Let me know, and we'll get you on here. I mean, that's kind of the, my open promise to every candidate. Um, another, and then by the way, in previous election cycles, we've had Ginger Couvret, we've had John Mullen, we've had Kalen Frank, we've had a lot of other Republicans that have been on this podcast. All candidates are welcome. And for the record, um, in the 2018 cycle, um, I talked to Mayor Voss at the time, and we talked kind of broadly about the podcast. And he says, well, maybe I'll come on sometime. And I said, sure, you're welcome anytime. Let me know. Never heard back. Never heard back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, I met Brian Pepin for a cup of coffee, I think, in the first quarter of, of 2022, if I recall. He reached out to me, just wanted to get to meet me. I was flattered that someone wanted to do that. And we had a really good conversation, really nice guy, very friendly. Uh, and I said the same thing to him. I go, you're welcome to join me on this podcast to share your, your platform, and we'll have a conversation, just like we were at Starbucks. And- Never took advantage of the offer. And then with for my race, um, or my, my district, District 3, where I live, I've, I've had two of the three candidates on the podcast, Tony Russo and Kevin Juza. And then the other candidate is Peter DeHoff. And I invited him to be on it, and he declined. So, um, you know, we try to make this open up to everyone. So another question that came in that I was challenged on is, is why aren't we hearing about the money from the Democrats? Is there are they getting money from Soros or China or what is this? You know, and 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 actually we did cover some of that. I mean, some of that money uh, was broken down by a meet. Um, and, you know, the, the on the Republican side, I think the the big surprise was we were using Brian Pepin as an example where he had $70,000 in donations and about 16% of that was from Poway residents. Well, let's break down the Democrats. Can I, can I just add in my thing yeah. to that? All right. I I did my monitoring of the 460 and the 496 forms very early, you know, yeah. way before the ballots came out. Mm-hmm. All right. On Pepin's, I'm focused on District 1. That's where I live. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the only ones I've researched. Uh, and I just did a linear count. I didn't pay any attention to what the names were. I just looked at the bottom line. What's the address? Where's this money coming from? Yeah. Okay. So I went through and I counted. At that point in time, five from Poway. For who? Pepin. And roughly speaking, when was this? This was about easily a month ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Out of 200, <laughs> five were from Poway. Mm-hmm. I says, okay, but when did he move here? Did he? These must be friends from his prior neighborhoods. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. He's, he's a very politically networked 
candidate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he has connections with a lot of, uh, of donors and with party um, leaders. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that he's, a, he's generated that much money, yeah. even though it's a ton of money for a it's small a city council money. race. And most of that is PAC. Well, no, no. It's, he, according to Amit, it was $70,000 in individual contributions with a max of $250. Mm-hmm. The PAC money is extra. Okay. Okay. So the question was, is that, well, what about the Democrats? All right. So mayoral candidate, and, and th- th- there are three Democrats that were endorsed by a, a meet and the, and the Poway Democratic Club. Delta Esparza is a candidate for mayor. Um, she has generated approximately $9,000 in individual contributions, and about 70% of the donors are in Poway. That's the right number. Um, Hiram Soto um, has about $17,000 in fundraising, and approximately 60% of that, the, those donors are from Poway. Um, and then, oh, by the way, um, Hiram Soto has uh, a, a little bit less than $5,000 that have come in from a PAC from Alliance San Diego, which is the organization he used to work for, which some would say is a left-wing organization um, and, and a, uh, you know, certainly a political, politically active organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a group that he used to work for. And I, I think it's no surprise that Hiram Soto is – on the left-hand side of the aisle, right? Correct. Yeah, and we can argue to what degree, right. but he's definitely not a Republican. But I mean, this is an organization you used to work with. Yeah, so they're, they're supporters. To- and, to, and I'll bet you Brian Pepin's getting a lot of support from people he used to work with, too, you know, just to be fair. Like the club. Um, and then Kevin Juza has gotten about $12,000 in funding. Approximately 60% of those donors are from Poway. And the Democratic Club, Poway Democratic Club, acts as a PAC. And they've spent about $3,000 on mailers, um, and that is to support those three candidates. And I think also Frida Brunzel, who's running for school board. Um, And and so then, you know, Pepin definitely is an outlier with $70,000 in fundraising. Voss, also an outlier, but Voss, that's also no surprise. I mean, he's ran for supervisor. I mean, the guy is right. very well connected. But Peter DeHoff, who's running in District 3, um, has raised about $5,400, uh, but 3000 of that was from himself, self-funded. He's self, almost self-funded. Almost about over half self-funded. And only um, 12 contributors, but they're all from Poway. Um, and some of those contributors are Mayor Steve Voss, uh, Councilman Barry Leonard, Kevin McNamara, and uh, Dick Lyles, the yeah. columnist for the Pomerado News. Uh, Voss has about $40,000 raised, about 40 to 45% from Poway. Um, plus, there's PAC money, not just from the city. We talked about the San Diego Police Officers Association. Mm-hmm. We talked about community voices. But also, this Deputy Sheriff's Association, which is the, the our, police our police force, is spending money in the race, about $5,000 so far on a mailer supporting Voss, Pepin, and DeHoff. And um, their, sh- their filings show the vast amount of their money um, is coming in October. Money that came in in October is coming in from BIA, which is the Building Industry Association, and from Build San Diego PAC, and from the California Apartment Association. So those are examples of development interest yep. that are being given to the San Diego sheriffs. Um, let me make sure I say that right. From the San Diego Sheriff's, excuse me, the Deputy Sheriff's Association, 
who then gives that then spends that money on behalf of certain candidates. So there's just underground, there's all these rivers of money that are moving around. It's the circle of the money that fascinates the hell out of me. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, um, so anyways, uh, we're, I'm reporting both sides of this. And granted, I'm not an investigative journalist. I'm a right. dude with a podcast who has opinions and likes to get comments from the, from the audience. And so those are the things that we cover. Um, our, our investigative reporter is running for district one. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he is, yeah, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I, there's one more comment here from the audience. I want to take a look yeah, at this one. And do. Oh, it's from Mike Ryan. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, John. Uh, Mike and I and our two lovely wives, we went out to dinner on Sunday night. Great time. Went up to Aguanga. You, you know where that yeah. is? It's sort of east of, of Temecula. Mm-hmm. And we had this amazing dinner underneath this grove of olive trees and it was spectacular um so nice to see you mike thanks for watching the podcast um let's go down this list a little i took wendy out for her birthday dinner last night oh where'd you go the first time i have ever been to the rancho bernardo inn that's nice isn't it i was impressed with the food yeah we normally go to the golf course up over here, you know, you're in Madeiras. Madeiras. Yeah. That's where we like to go, but they've throttled back on their thing. So Wendy says, let's go to the Rancho Bernardo Inn. I said, I've never been there. It's Rancho Bernardo. It's not Poway. Oh, come on. I'm serious. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. We got good to go. Big. So, you yeah. got to expand your palate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the RBN, we sometimes go, is it called the, the veranda or yeah. it has that patio area the with the sunset. So the yeah. sunset last night it's, was it's spectacular. A, it's a great place, you know, and they usually have like a like a musician there, and it's so chill. Very good music. Yeah. So a lot of times if we want to go somewhere that's easy and special at the same time, that's where we always go. Yeah. When he ordered a drink, it came out in a pitcher. I ordered my iced tea. It came out in a pitcher. So the start, I was saying, ah, oh, no, this is not as high class as I thought it was going to be. No, it's good. All right. But boy, the food was great. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you went. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get back to yeah, the podcast. The oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but we digress. Okay. Um, then another comment was made. He's, we were talking about districts mm-hmm. and the, you know, the pros and cons of districts. Mm-hmm. And the comment was made, district elections have screwed up Poway. You know, and there's, there's a lot of people that think that. Um, now, I'm, I, I like districts. I, I, I think there's a lot of logic to it. I was going to take it, if I had been elected, I was going to break it down even further into neighborhoods. Well, that would be kind of like your own little thing you'd cook up yeah. if you were because elected. Because what I found was there were key people in each neighborhood. Oh, totally. All right? Yeah. Everybody knows who they are. All right? But they were going to be able to report to me what the issues were for those neighborhoods. And that's what I envisioned. In you had mind. this whole hierarchy. I had this in your hierarchy mind. all yeah. worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, didn't manifest itself. So, well, I, I like that's, that's the value. Look, we ran into it after you and I have a common friend, okay, whose neighborhood is split in half down the middle of the street. Yeah, with the district. Yeah, I never paid that close attention to it when I ran. I said, oh, I looked at this and looked at District One and its borders were two and three and four. You know, and oh, this fits this way and everything was fine and I can break it up this way. I got focused on District One. I had no idea that there were issues like that around other parts of Poway. 
when our friend brought the subject up, it was Garden Road. I used to live near the entrance of Garden Road. Yeah. It's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And to see that, the way they drew that part of the district out, I said, that's screwed up. Well, it, it was a bad choice there, but I will say it's it's there's probably no utopia, right? They're, they're just by nature of trying to have balance, and then you're kind of limited to the precincts, mm-hmm. which are the smallest granular element. Right. Um, but they should be aligned properly. Too. Ideally, they would. But I would think that if, if I'm just going to make an assumption, is that if they have put the entire Garden Road community all the way back to, into Sycamore Creek as District 4, mm-hmm. which you would assume that would be kind of how it went down, then most likely it would have created a, a, a weird splice somewhere else. Yeah. I think the only way to do this is right now we've got, you know, one, two, three, and four. I think we need five, six, seven. I think we really well, do need to add the number of districts to the city of Poway because the Garden Road neighborhoods are no like nowhere close to the Merton neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're different. Yeah. So they, the, have, they have different issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Garden Road could care less about Matati. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Matati people could care less about what the hell happens down a Garden Road. And those are the issues when you have a common district Yeah, that puts – Caitlin Frank in a hell of a position. Well, she's got to span the whole thing, yeah. And she's done a pretty good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty surprised by Caitlin Frank. You know, yeah. She's still on the other side of the fence as far as development is concerned, but she's a yes vote when there should be yeah. no votes. She's and, a very rational person. Yeah. Um, I My interactions with her have always been good. Yeah. I mean, we can all you know, kind of raise our eyebrow about the process of how she was appointed the first time. Knock me out. Yeah, yeah. I, I look. Well, you first, were one of the ones that were going for the appointment that cycle. Yeah, oh, that's right. You were. Yeah, I went for the appointment, and I got special permission from work to do this, and I get all psyched mm-hmm. up for it. I get to the city council meeting, and I, you know, it was on the verge of going to the districts, and I said, "Oh, I'm in District One." So if you're really looking for somebody that who lives in District Four and going to represent what's going to become District 4, mm-hmm. see ya, I'm out of here, and I left. Right. You know. Well, I mean, good on them for when they appointed someone to be thinking about District 4, but this was before it was even a district. Yeah. But that's always been the thing, you know, where people in South Poway always felt underrepresented or not represented at all. Um but anyways, that's that's a whole other yeah. deal. So anyways, I'm supportive of districts because it brings voters closer to their representative. Mm-hmm. And that actually, if you're a candidate, it just makes it easier to participate. Because mm-hmm. if you're running to get to cover the whole city, I mean, it's harder to do it. You need yeah. a bigger organization to do it. And you need a lot more money to do it. Yeah. Um, and so – I think it, it creates more of a getting the community involved kind of thing is better when you have districts, yeah. in my opinion. To to walk the neighborhood of District 1 is a week's worth of work. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, just to walk it. All right. Now, I'm not talking about somebody's going from point A like you do hiking in the hills, okay? I'm talking about walking down the street and talking to the people in their front yard. Well, That's can- what takes the time. Yeah, and candidates, Walking through the neighborhood does no good. You've got to talk to the people that are there. Well, and, and you would only talk to people in their front yard, which yep. really limited. But most candidates will knock on doors. And you kind of hear that's like 
that's good, you know, shoe leather campaigning, mm-hmm. the way it's always been done in America and how it's always been done in Poway. But that's, that takes a hell of a lot of time. Um, I know I, I heard stories that when Mayor Voss was doing his door knocking campaign, he would go with like five or six people. And they would hit a neighborhood and they would all knock on doors. And the minute one of them got someone to talk to, they'd call Voss and then he'd run over to that house. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had like this, these kind of front people. Right. Because doing it as – I did it as a candidate. I knocked on doors. I was lucky to have one productive conversation an hour. Yeah. Um, and I went through a lot of gas and Calypso. It's it, so I think social media to me is the door knocking of the 21st century because mm-hmm. you can reach more people more easily. The only issue is you're not reaching everybody. You're never going to reach everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if you try to send everyone a mailer and you reach them, a lot of them aren't even oh, paying attention. I just remember something. I lied. There was a couple of houses that I knocked on. Oh. They had Corvettes in the driveway. Okay. Well, it's probably on you know, Corvette people. Let's <laughs> say maybe it was Halloween. You yeah, were trick-or-treating. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then the other comment that came up in the Amita Saravala podcast was, this podcast is biased, you know, because we – but we had a a guest who was clearly biased. Right. He, Amita Saravala is the president of the Poway Democratic Club. Now, Amit, to his credit – is not some fire-branded, no. you know, highly partisan. I mean, you could see a lot of his language was very fair-minded, very um, kind of low temperature. Um, and um, I thought it was very professional, the way yeah. he presented it. But I'll tell you what, this podcast is always biased, always, um, because the guest I have has a point of view. I have a point of view. And there is no such thing as unbiased. Yeah. Even if you say, well, we got a Republican and we got a Democrat, well, more people in America identify as independent than they do as Republican or Democrat. Uh, You know, I think you're going to find that a lot more frequently today than you would six, eight years ago. Oh, yeah. People were not afraid to say I'm a Republican or I'm not not afraid to say I'm a Democrat in that time frame. Now we've become so polarized as a nation. Right. That people are afraid to say. Right. So they either A, are afraid to say it, or B, they say, I don't want any of this partisan BS. I'm going to be no party preference. Or in other cases like me, I say, you know what? I don't like that agenda and I don't like that agenda. I mean, there's elements that I like. Yeah. But there's enough there that I don't like that I don't want to be in either party. Um, So anyways – Every podcast is biased. Um, And, you know, the whole point of these interviews, by the way, is, you know, to get, like I said, to milk from the guests and let them tell their story. This isn't crossfire. This isn't a debate. You know, Um, sometimes I'll offer, you know, devil's advocate questions. But, you know, that's what it is. Um, Okay, we got a bunch more comments that are flying in on the live stream here. So let's take a look and see what some of these folks are saying. Um, And, oh, it's from uh, candidate Hiram Soto. On the live stream. It's amazing how nice people are in District 1. I knocked on so many doors and met so many people. Really amazing encounters. Yeah. Poway's a great city, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good on you, Hiram. Well, what's your ratio? That's my question. <coughs> when you're on a door knocking, you know, expedition, and in a given hour, how many productive conversations were you fortunate enough to have? For me, it was roughly one an hour. But. 
You know, so I'm curious I, to f- see I what you found. I did a little bit better than that because I did. I stopped people that were in their driveways. Yeah. Well, plus you attract attention wherever you I go. I got attention. <laughs> yes, that's true. And John Carson wonders whether I was running or Calypso was running. I smile at him. I don't answer that because okay. he knows. Well, Hiram said he gets four to six productive conversations an hour. Well, that's because Hiram is, is better looking than I was, I think. <laughs> so they're more willing to open the door and have a, have a conversation. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, good on you. Um, and then the, the last comment that came in um, was, uh, you know, in the comments section. Right. As why it, we were talking about local news and, and how the Poway chieftain, PomeradoNews.com, doesn't have as much local election coverage um, and – uh, we got into conversations about, you know, the San Diego Union Tribune picking up local news. And it was, why is it so important to publish local news in a regional newspaper? And there's definitely a reason for that. I mean, because local news is newsworthy. And and at the same time, um, the press plays a very valuable role in the election process. The press is in many cases holding political candidates accountable, asking them challenging questions, doing a lot of forensic, you know, research, investigative journalism. The press plays a role in the process. Some would say it plays a role in democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think it does. Yeah. So it's a shame that there's not more local coverage, but that's just the nature of the whole newspaper business and the digital age and everything right. has been flipping this thing on its ear. So, um, so anyways, uh, um, Hiram Soto says, yeah, good conversations. It's four to six good conversations an hour if he's lucky. Yeah, that might be on a good stretch. You know, so yeah. good on you, Hiram. Um, now, I want to now talk a little bit about the races and just offer some comments. And, and just for the record, I don't endorse any candidates. I won't endorse any mm-hmm. candidates um, because I want to make this podcast an open conversation. Well, I already let the cat out of the bag well, months you, ago. You did. Okay, because well, yeah. you uh, you said you found a guy. I found a guy, and that was Hiram. And that was Hiram. So I was going to run. Yeah, you were. All right, you were. T- was, you were plotting. I was you, making you were all scheming. the steps. I was doing all. <laughs> I was doing all the planning. I was mm-hmm. doing all of that. But um, the I think the reason is Hiram can hit four to six an hour is because he is very concise. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, he, he came over to the house. I talked to him for about an hour. All right. And um, I still hadn't made up my mind when I when he left. All right. But the amount of stuff we covered in that hour time frame when I went back and did a mental regurgitation of it all. I said, yeah. If if I run, that guy's going to beat me. <laughs> You saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. So I got two choices here. Either I run or I support him. Right. So then it came down to a question of alignment of issues. Yeah. Okay. Listening. The guy's been a reporter. Yeah. If he doesn't listen, he wouldn't admit it that far, you know. So, yeah. Hiram has my support. Good for you. See, I mean – I honestly, in some of these races, I haven't fully made up my mind yet, you know, so because uh, they're just intriguing races. But I just want to just offer some general commentary. And this is sort of like if you're not in terms of who you are rooting for to win, but the, the, here the question I'm posing is, 
if you were betting in Las Vegas on who you think oh, is going to win. We're going to get to that in the propositions. Oh, yeah, we will, actually. Uh, <laughs> we're already at an hour and 11. So um, if, you were to, if you were to bet on who was going to win, do you have uh, thoughts on that? I'm in, not going to speak to that issue. Well, I'm going to speak to it because historically – Incumbents have a massive advantage in Poway elections. They always have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare for an incumbent to be beaten. I think was the last one um, when Mayor Voss beat Higginson for the mayor race. Mm-hmm. Was uh, that the last incumbent to lose? Yeah, but there was a lot in undercurrent that we didn't realize was undercurrent back then either. Yeah, there was a lot going on, as there always is. Yeah. But – Generally, and I remember um, when Mayor Lee Boyack was on city council, this is like between 2000, 2010. Um, she won, but I think she won only because someone else had stepped down yeah. and it opened up the race. Yeah. And I remember talking to her and she said, yeah, it's hard to win against an incumbent. And if you're facing an incumbent, you know, back then one could say that Poway was a pretty nice place and there wasn't a lot of drama. You know, this is like Not like now. Now, now there is, but this is like fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah. Now there was certainly some drama, but There's not some drama. not to this extent. And she would say, she told me, she said, sometimes as a candidate, you have to sort of invent a problem and then run against it. Um, but I'm I'm of the belief if I'm a betting person in Las Vegas, Steve Voss is going to be hard to beat. Um, you know, and that's a given. And. And it also, if I and that doesn't that's by no means any commentary on Delta or Yuri or the other two candidates. Um, it's just that's, you know, he won twice and this he's going for his third in a row. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at the candidates that are supported by the incumbents, which are DeHoff and Pepin, you know, there, there's I always talk about this old Poway guard in, here in town where there's a lot of strong the mayor. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people that are vocally anti-Voss, mm-hmm. but the mayor has a very strong, silent majority that support him. Um, and I think a lot of those folks are going to come out and vote for Pepin and DeHoff. And so I think if I'm a betting person, I think those candidates are going to be hard to beat. Now, in saying that, hopefully that will motivate the challengers to really bring people out to vote and really you know, draw them out mm-hmm. to get them to the polls. Um, but given what we learned from Amit and the changing demographics in Poway, and as there's now there's more growing frustration in Poway for a whole variety of issues, and now people are having their eyes open to a lot of these financial issues, I think now that sort of Mayor Voss has never been more vulnerable than he is this this election. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of old Poway guard, that establishment, that, you know, that that the people that are aligned with city council, they're now looking over their shoulder because the landscape has changed. And so while I think if I'm a betting person in Vegas that I think they could, they're going to likely win, that bet is close to even money. Very close. You know, it's not like 10 to 1 odds or something crazy. Um, it's a closer bet now. Um, and I, to me, that's what makes this election cycle so fascinating. Yep. Yep. I'm in complete and total agreement with you. And it's a frustration. Uh, the silent majority is hit with Poway Road 
issues just like everybody else is. Right. But they've paid attention to it now. Well, they're not just hit with Poway Road issues. They're hit with um, development um, in the farm. And oh yeah, that and they're they're hit with development. You know, we just talked about Hollyoke on in Twin Peaks. Yeah, and there's a lot of other places in Poway that people are looking over, saying, you know, WTF? You know, what's going on here? You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, and the, the the farm issue. I mean, that wasn't easy to get in put in place. Right, and now it's manifesting it, and it's not manifesting itself the way I was explained it would be. Well. You know, granted, I didn't study in minutia yeah. the detail and if houses were going to be built on no, like artificial plateaus and things. And I know some people are aghast at how that's going down. But we all knew there was going to be a lot of homes put in and they were going to be decent sized houses. Yeah. And I I always thought there was going to be single story. You know, No, yeah, there were some that were double, yeah. but there were definitely some that were single. Yeah. Um, and cases like, you know, the classic case of the, the family that has been very vocal. Mm-hmm. And I saw they put a, uh, a video of their backyard with the white fence mm-hmm. that used to look over the golf course. And now there's three or four big homes that are, their privacy is invaded. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. when that measure passed, they, they knew that was going to happen. Um, and I don't know if I'm one of those homeowners, I would be upset. I'd be angry, but you know, what can you do? You can't unwind the development. You can vote out the, the politicians, but that doesn't change the reality of the houses that are built and your privacy invaded. Um, you can um, – and really the politicians weren't the ones that voted on Measure P. That, you know, it was like a 60-40, wasn't it, roughly? Right. Yeah. That, so the voters approved it. So you can eject all the people of Poway, 60% right. of them, jettison them all. But in many ways, they can try to – put up trees and try to create some privacy, but it'll never be the same. Won't be the same. So I don't know for a lot of those folks, you know, they might have to make the difficult decision to move and it sucks, but that's the only thing they can really control. Right. It's difficult. Um, so anyways, um, the, the other comment I want to make on the sort of this predictions thing mm-hmm. is that, okay, in, in election in district one, there's just two guys running. And to me, that makes the race fascinating because like when you ran in 2018, there was one incumbent and four challengers. Three challengers. Three? Yeah, me. Oh, yeah. There were four people total running. Four people total. So those three challengers fragment and diffuse the anti-incumbent vote. But now you can sort of kind of say that Pepin represents the incumbent Oh, yeah. And then, and think, then you could I don't definitely think you sort of kind of it's written yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. And then Hiram is the is the change candidate, and so that race is fascinating because the result of that race is going to really tell us what Poway thinks. Yeah. Then you go to District Three, and there are three candidates, and you've got DeHoff who has the support of the city council, and he's not pulling any punches. He says, you know, stay the course. That's his slogan. Uh, he has the support of city council. So if you're a Voss supporter, you know, basically they're telling you to vote for DeHoff. Mm-hmm. Then you got Juza, Kevin Juza, who sat down with me and I really liked him. Yeah. You know, he, I liked him a lot more than I expected I would like him. And uh, you know, he was a very nice guy, has good values. I mean, he's, he's a Democrat, but he's not like 
on the edge. He's not a way on the lefty side. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very moderate Democrat, the way I kind of – the vibe that I got from him. And uh, he uh, strikes me as a very serious candidate. And then Tony Russo, who has run before, um, is a business person who is very well known, um, has shown me a lot this election. Like when the way that he tried to get that Holly Oaks situation organized, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, dude is stepping up. He's like really trying to represent the people and he's doing the groundwork that you would hope city council people would do. And I'm like, wow. And so my district, District 3, I honestly don't know who's going to win. I mean, I could see that one going in any number of directions. And with three, you know, reasonably serious or three very serious candidates, you know, anything could happen. And the winner might end up with 35% of the vote. Yeah. Now, can I interject my, the only prediction I'm going to, the only thing I think about when you talk about the way it's going to turn out, there are five votes in the Poway City Council, Mayor for city council. Right. It's been unanimous voting for a long damn time. Yeah. On virtually every issue of any real consequence. One vote, not a change. Two votes, not a change. Mm-hmm. Three votes is essential to change the direction of power. Right. I'm just saying. Well, and let's, people who are voting have got to think that way. So, and, and that would mean if you were to have three change candidates win, that to, that would be a trifecta, which I think is the odds on that are, are higher than than winning the Powerball. That all that that let's just say hypothetically, Soto and Juza or Russo and. Bolin or Esparza were to win all three of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. I, I, that would be really, really. If that happened, the, the Poway would be flipped on its ear. Um, now, I'm of the belief that even if one of those three races went that way, that would be a very strong statement being made in our city that things are changing, and would be reflective, I think, of the demographic shift. In voter registration as well. Is that going to stop four-story structures? No, it won't. If you only have one change candidate and four status quo on the city, on the city council, it'll be four-one votes a lot. The things that people are angry about. You need three votes, and then even T- if you, two will slow it down. One, it's a bump in the road. Right. That's right. And even if you had three. Change candidates and two status quo on the on the city council. You can't tear down what's already been built. No, but you can stop it from getting any worse. Right, right. So this is to me really fascinating. And then, oh, by the way, in the mayoral race, I'll say this: is that um, Yuri Bolin? Um, I think he he's out there. I mean, for a guy that's self funded, a guy that you know is just really doing it solo. I mean, he's out there and he's he's pushing hard. And the fact that he, he was saying he was out walking streets, knocking on doors when we were having that press conference or that pseudo press conference, that was interesting karma, yeah. but indicative of the fact that he's out there. And then Delta Esparza is obviously a very serious candidate. Um, 
I think I'm seeing a lot of Delta signs around town. Um, and I think a lot of that is because, you know, certainly she is supported by the Democratic Party. So you're going to have those folks mm-hmm. have other signs. But I also think there's a lot of people, the anti-Voss vote is Delta's getting a good percentage of that. And I know Yuri's trying to get some of that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, Delta's scooping up a lot of the, the anti-incumbent vote for mayor. Yeah. But the comment I'll make on the mayoral race is that there's two other candidates. Now, there's a total of five that are running. True. One of them's one of them has dropped out, um, and the other one is running, but is what I'll call a paper candidate. Right. They're they're filed, but they're not really running a serious they campaign. Up with the debate. Yeah. He but, spoke well at the debate. I was impressed with the answers he gave. But as he walked in the streets, I don't see him. I don't see any signs. I don't see him. Right. So that's my thing is that – but I, I still think what's going to happen is those two candidates are going to get a lot more of the vote than you expect. And that's going to play into Mayor Voss's hand because the anti-incumbent vote will be further fragmented and diluted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can see that dynamic playing out. So you know, um, if you're a Voss supporter, you like that. If you're a Voss supporter, you might feel pretty confident going into election night. But, you know, be careful, you know, don't count your chickens. Right. Um, and if you're a, a supporter of Bolin or of Esparza, then you've got to do everything in your power to bring your people out to vote uh, or, frankly, just to fill out the the, the, the ballot in their yeah. house, in their living room, um, because it's going to be based on voter turnout is what's going to drive that one home. Yeah. yeah. So it's just amazing, isn't it? And I. I never thought I'd be a politician, but I am now. Okay. It, you know, it's it, Poway has made me cross over to the other side. So. I, I just I find this all fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to put a qualification on that. I am concerned with the preservation of that warm feeling I got in my heart. That made me move to Poway in the first place. Right. All right. I don't want this place to turn into the places I left. Yeah. I came here for a reason. And true enough, I'll stay here till my dying days because of the people that are here. The houses and everything else is... You know, there's going to come a time in my life when I'm sitting in my living room and not moving an inch, and I won't care what Poway Road looks like. That's up to the healthcare worker to find his way to my house. Right. All right. But right now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can only s- slow down progress to a degree. I mean, you moved here in 1980 yeah. or, or before 80. Yeah. Uh, and Poway was a heck of a lot different then than, than it was even in, so let's say, 2015. Who was it that you had in the podcast? Oh, it was Ed. Ed Franklin, yeah. Talking about doing the old Pomerado Road on motorcycles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, those were the good days. Yeah. You know? But that's, it's, and, and, it's a long time ago. Amazingly enough, coming home from work on Pomerado Road, you'd come up on the Big Stone Lodge, and magically the brakes would come on, uh-huh. you know? And it would pull me into the parking lot to go have a beer. Oh, yeah. You know? On a Friday afternoon after work. Oh, that sounds. My, ho- my home's just up the field there. Yeah. Perfect. I can see my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Of course, that, the downside was when they got into the country western dancing at night, I also heard that oh, yeah. <laughs> until 1 o'clock in the morning. And trying to get a six-month-old to bed was a problem. I've got one more comment here on the, on the live stream. Let's see what this is. I want to always try to get everyone involved here. And let's see. And it is... Um, oh, it's, this is uh, from Yuri Bull, and I agree with you, Pete. I'm not sure when this was made oh, about four minutes ago. Yeah. So there's a lot to agree with Pete yeah. on. Yuri, you and I agree in a lot of ways, okay? Where, which the camera's looking at me? <laughs> I'm uh, looking at you right in the eye, Right there, Yuri. that camera, right, right. there, that one. Yuri, we have three you cameras. You and I agree in a lot of ways. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, I, I do want to retract one thing that I said. I said I don't make any endorsements. Mm-hmm. I want to make one. Okay. And I, I think I've been pretty open on this one. I, I support Pete Murray for judge. And Pete's my neighbor. I like Pete. I have huge, uh, um, what's the right word, respect for him. It's one of the biggest mysteries on my ballot. Who do I vote for for judges? Well, I know because normally. They never supply you with enough material. But Pete, being on your podcast. Mm-hmm. I got a place to mark for the first time. Well, yeah, normally judging, voting on judges is always so difficult because it's hard to get information. I'm not and, saying which way. I'm just saying I'll mark it. Okay. Well, you're going to vote. Okay, you'll vote on that particular one. Well, I support Pete Murray for judge. I just want to make that one clear. But all the other ones, I'm purposely not endorsing anyone because yeah. I said that in the very, very beginning when I started the podcast that I wouldn't endorse anyone because I wanted the open conversation. And if people say, oh, that's a Voss guy. You're going to go on a Voss podcast. I didn't want that. Yeah. And, or, or I'm a, you know, a Chris Cruz supporter and you want to be, it's a Chris Cruz pie. I, I didn't want that. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be open and neutral. And even though I have my own opinions and people can maybe try to infer where I am on some of these things, I try to not endorse, except for people. Um, one other thing is uh, if you haven't voted yet, you can go to the postal annex next door to Target and they have an official Dropbox there. Um, and uh, you can go say hi to my my uh, buddy Dennis there. Um, and that's a cool thing to do. OK, we're at an hour 30 and we haven't even started on the propositions. Do you want to still do this? I'm here. OK, you good? OK, the audience, you good? We're, we're going to jump into this. Um, it, what it was, it was Yuri Bolin got a few more comments. Progress is inevitable, but moderate growth is necessary. That's and I think a lot of people are reflecting that, Yuri. There's a lot of comments that support that. And Yuri goes on to say the quote from the late Mickey Cafania sums it up When do we stop destroying the reason why we live here? Uh, that's Pete. Yeah. That's what you're basically always reflecting that yeah. point of view. But see, that's the mentality that established power in the first place. Yeah. It, it goes back. It goes back further than Mickey. But Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. The propositions. The propositions. And, uh, okay, I got like a a new little lower third Chiron to put up on the screen so we could talk about the propositions. So if you maybe, um, you know, you, you got your ballots in the mail like this one. This is the one for the ones from SD Vote, from the Registrar of Voters. And then there's the other one that comes from the state. You know, so the so these are a little bit different, but you get the pros and cons and the different arguments on these are pretty good. So let's I want to go down the list of the propositions, but I purposely want to skip the first one. Okay, and save it to the end. Oh, okay, which is Prop One, which is the one about reproductive rights and abortion. uh, 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 It's the constitutional 
Amendment. Yeah. Well, we'll break we'll break that down. That's huge. But but it is huge. And but abortion is just such a divisive topic, topic. that I don't want to like alienate half the audience right away. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we won't cover that first. We'll, so we'll we'll definitely cover it, but we're not going to cover it at the top. Okay. And I have my little summary here and well, the next one on my ballot. Okay, if you want to use that, it's Prop Twenty Six, right? Twenty Six. So, which is closely related to Twenty Seven, in my opinion. So, Twenty Six basically allows people to go into an Indian casino and bet on sports, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it also allows them to have dice games. Yes. Have you ever played craps in an Indian casino? It's the craziest thing because normally, you know, you roll dice in Vegas. Well, if you go to an Indian casino, you roll the dice and then whatever appears on those dice gets them to turn over cards on the craps table because they're not allowed to have a dice game that determines the outcome of the bet. So the uh, the numbers on the die translate to which cards get flipped over and then you bet on that as though they were dice. This is ridiculous. So they're going to now, this would allow regular dice games. It would allow betting on sports in tribal casinos. What's your thoughts on this one? That's where it gets into me personally. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't gamble. Mm -hmm. I don't encourage gambling. All right. However, gambling is a source of income for tribes across the United States, that's a good way for them to make money. So I don't get in the way of tribal nations, tribal property, doing what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you which way I'm voting on this. Okay. This one brings in additional gambling techniques. All right. Horse racing, mm-hmm. die games. Mm-hmm. God only knows what they want to drag in there. Okay. I lived about five miles away from Lincoln Downs Racetrack in Lincoln, Rhode Island. In the racing season, it was nonstop traffic past my house and nonstop noise in the backyard. I don't like gambling. I don't like horse tracks. All right. So... Um, I'm not going to say which way I'm voting on 26 or 27 because they both involve gambling and I don't have. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. Okay. Cause I tell you, I have opinions and this isn't about candidates. This is about propositions. I'm a big yes on this. Um, because if you run a casino and you can't have like a, you can't roll the dice cause that's somehow voodoo and flipping cards is okay. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, um, and betting on horse tr- races and betting on sports in a casino, why not? You know, it's their casino. They should be able to establish their own rules and let's be real. There's sports gambling going on already, um, illegal or illegal. Why not just make it legit? And let them do it. So I'm a huge yes on this. Now, what's interesting in this 26 and and to a greater degree in 27 is all the ads are so distorted because they don't make it about what the ads are not about what it's really about. Right. Because they're talking about how much money goes to the homeless and how much money goes to out-of-state corporations and all these other deflections. 
the core thing here is this question is, should they be allowed to have those games? I'm a big yes. You are not stating. I'm not stating. Okay. So 27, let's go there. 27 is related to 26 in my way of thinking. Yeah, they're very similar, sort of. Different locations. Yeah. Uh, I, I first started off in Imperial Beach. Back in the day, there were card rooms. Mm-hmm. Gambling was – we used to use lose about three or four of my shipmates to the card rooms and gambling things there, which means I had to stay on watch a lot longer because they would get wrapped up with what they were doing and not report <laughs> on time. Mm-hmm. So – but it's a business. These are places of business. Mm-hmm. And um, I have relatives that like to go to card rooms. Yeah. And therefore, this is an issue for me, and I'm not saying which way I'm voting. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you what I think. So okay. I'm a big yes on this, too. So basically, the way I understand it is, is that people would be able to bet on sports on their mobile phone, mm-hmm. you know, with either the DraftKings app or there's a, there's a few other ones. I get all the names mixed up. Oh, and for the record, I do gamble, but just tiny money. Like I, I like to play craps like if I'm in Vegas um, and I always bet the minimum, you know, and and I one time I did bet. I rarely ever bet on sports, but I did bet on the Padres to win the 1998 National League pennant and I won and it was 18 to what odds. I had a $10 bet and I won 180. It was very cool, uh, but I rarely ever bet on sports. But um, I'm a big yes on this as well, because what these ads, the people that are against the 27 are the ones that are typically the Indian tribes that have the casinos because they want the monopoly on gambling for them and not for everyone else. Yeah. And to me. And I, the out-of-state locations. All right. I, that's my biggest concern is um, these small card shop you know, places and, that have been around for 20, 30 years. They could be yeah. close to turning the lights off. That's business. I don't want to see business go away. Yeah, but at the same time, blocking competition I know. is sort of un-American in my opinion. Yeah. Um, life, liberty, and, and the, pursuit the pursuit of happiness. Of happiness. Yeah. So I'm a big yes on this. And, and just as, a, as just a side story, is one of my buddies um, who lives in Orange County, he does a lot of betting. I mean, he has a problem. He bets about $2,000 a week. Uh, which is a lot. And, um, and he, he's in a, belongs to a golf club and there's a guy there in the golf club that's sort of the bookie and the golf, the bookie has created or has actually licensed a, a betting app that my buddy has downloaded onto his phone. So this is all illegal, but it's amazing how sophisticated it is, even though it's underground illegal. And so he gets on his app is private labeled by his bookie. Because, you know, some programmers are making this white-labeled kind of uh, mm. betting app. And it gets it gives them all the um, the point spreads and the points he can bet in the middle of games, which is insane. And the point spread varies. And it's incredible. And he was showing me this app. And he was betting as we were talking when we were out one time, which was amazing. But the point is, is that this is all going on already. It's like trying to keep marijuana illegal. Mm. You know, it's already happening. And we just want to just pretend that it's underground. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big yes on this. I think you bring it to 
out in the open. You bring it under the, the, the sunlight. And then if there's any, you know, bad, you know, bad business going on, some unethical things going on, then people can be held accountable according to the law mm-hmm. rather than being held accountable to a guy with a pipe that wants to hit your knees. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, I'm a big yes on this one. And again, for the audience, we welcome your thoughts and comments on these uh, propositions and let, let us know your thoughts. Uh, we'll take them all. Um, 28 is the next one. So this one is provides additional funding for arts and music education in public schools. And this would cost the state an additional $1 billion annually. I don't think there's a tax associated with it. So I no, think it's coming out of the general to state general fund. So they'd have to essentially spend less somewhere else so they could spend the extra billion on on arts and um, on uh, music. So it would be it would be nice in better times, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think the thing that we've really got to focus on is getting our air conditioning systems working. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bigger problem. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so should I vote for this or against this? I don't know. Well, you're not going to say. So and I'm not going to say. So I, I'm, I'm a no on this, and I'll explain why. First of all, I strongly support arts and music education in our schools. Um, and when I was running for school board, there was a very large contingency of families that really wanted this. And they were always upset that schools that were in wealthy neighborhoods we're able to get a lot more donations from wealthy families to fund music programs that schools in other areas couldn't do. And that is disappointing. And that creates some inequity that people get upset about. But my concern is, is that you can't call out one specific educational category because then the next one is going to be, well, the, the, the chemistry teachers, we need to have a million, a billion dollars for right. chemistry. Right. And, and then it becomes fragmented. I mean, ultimately, School districts need to make these choices on what they're going to prioritize in their curriculum. And I believe that they need to adjust the ratio of how they set up their curriculum because there's a lot of BS classes that are still being taught. So if if 28 said, let's give however much money they said, a billion dollars annually, just give it to the schools. No, no gotcha. Yeah, no, with no strings attached. No strings yeah. attached. Just- and that – Right. Spend it the way the BUSD or the Unified School District determines it should be spent. Correct. Yeah. So I'm voting no on it. Now, I know people are probably aghast. Oh, my God, we need the arts and education. And we do. It's just the way this goes down. Okay. Now let's do 29. Um, Requires on-site licensed medical professional at kidney dialysis clinics and establishes other state requirements. How do you think I'm voting? Well, you won't tell me. Uh, I'll tell you on this one. Um, this is medical industry. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to vote. I, I can see both sides of this one from, you, from your perspective. Okay. I'm voting against it. Okay. Tell me why. Because kidney dialysis is an essential. There are shops already set up. They're working towards that direction on their own. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the funding that they need to do that. Okay, so the end result is if this passes, okay, then there's a lot of places that are going to go belly up. Right. All right, and then the people are even in more trouble because they don't have a local mm-hmm. dialysis, 
can't say it. Dialysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Center to go to. All right. So I'm voting against it. So we can leave things go the way they are right now, as yeah. pitiful as they are. Do we need to have somebody medically certified on site? Boy, it sure would be great to have that person on board. Yeah. All right. I, ideally, they would be there. But I'm, money's I'm, not there. I'm a big no on this as well because this would – yeah, it would cost a lot more for these clinics to staff with medical professionals at, at that level mm-hmm. um, where a lot of these functions could be done by some kind of a technician. And, and they're working in that direction, John. Every place that I'm aware of – Mm-hmm. is working to get that satisfied. They're doing the job as best they can. Yeah. All right. The worst thing that can happen to them is somebody dies. Right. They don't want that to happen. <laughs> that, that's bad PR. So, right. <laughs> so this is the reason why healthcare is so expensive in America is because of these kinds of regulations right. that would demand this. And really, who's behind this? It's probably the, the medical doctors. You know, this is like job protection for them. Um, I have didn't bother researching. Yeah, I, I, as, I'm making that I assumption. As I saw it, I said, no. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's they, they call themselves the Californians for Kidney Dialysis Patient Protection. But, I mean, you always follow the money. Who stands to benefit from this? Doctors. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, this is why healthcare is so expensive. So I'm a big no on 29. Let's go to 30. Provides funding for programs to reduce air pollution and prevent wildfires by increasing tax on personal income for people over $2 million in annual income. So it's um, it's going to uh, be a 1.75% tax on income above $2 million, and it's going to fund electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging stations, which is we've talked about this a lot. So how you line up on And it's going to help prevent wildfires somehow. I don't know. What do you think? Not going to let you know how I'm voting on this. Okay, and I'm a no on this because – Why are you voting against it? You just promoted your electric No, no. Well, I support electric vehicles for all the reasons that I love them. Mm -hmm. Fun technology, great to drive. I don't spend money on gas, virtually no spending on maintenance. Um, I love EVs. But I don't like it when there are are proposals made to say, okay, we're going to do all these wonderful things – for this group of people, and we're going to make them pay for it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so okay. I I don't like that vibe. Right. So right. gotcha. um, so I'm a big no on this. All now, right. granted, I don't make over two million dollars. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I had that problem. Um, I'm a no. And then you get finally, this podcast going, you maybe be in that category. Yeah. Then where will you be? <laughs> <laughs> um, Prop 31 is a referendum on the 2020 law that would prohibit the retail sale of certain flavored. Tobacco products. Uh oh, you're a Marlboro man. How do you think I'm voting on this? Again, you could surprise me here. So, this is flavored tobacco. It's for the kids to keep kids from smoking. What do you think? I could see you voting yes on this, knowing what I know of you. No. You're of no? Kill it. Kills flavored cigarettes. See, I'm. What's that? Kill the flavored cigarettes. Kill it. So you're a yes on this proposal. I'm a yes on this proposal. Okay. And see, I, I'm a no on this. Yeah. Yeah. My sister lives in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Down in the street from where she lives is a company. Okay. That's oh, tobacco country. Yeah. Provides over half the world's tobacco. 
Whoa. All right. You know where their number one marketplace is? Children? Well, children, what age? Well, they, they are focusing the 21s and under. They're the, that's where they're selling. Right? Well, yeah, because they're, they're trying to get people hooked when they're young. Yeah. Most yeah. people of my age category have quit. Right. All right. Correct. So the traditional marketplace has slowly ebbed away. Right. right? Except for us diehards. <laughs> Literally, yeah. probably. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's an ugly way to go. I've lost several fun friends to yeah. lung cancer. Um, but the the urgency is to get it out of the hands of kids. Yeah. Well, I, I'm agreeing with that. Yeah. I mean, you will find no greater anti-smoking person than me. I was raised in a family of smokers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I have never had a single puff of a cigarette in my life. Is that right? Yeah. Because I just am so vehemently opposed to Let's it. Let's go out in your driveway. I know. <laughs> but because I was raised around it, I like I'll hang out with you outdoors yeah. if yeah. you're having a cigarette. And I'm, I could stand. I know where the wind's blowing, so I'm in a good spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this this bothers me because um, again, it's it's like if you're gonna say you can't do flavored, then why in the hell are you allowing regular cigarettes to be legal? You know, it's like a very inconsistent thing. Mm-hmm. I think what should happen is just the continued education to 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 demonstrate the smoking is bad, mm-hmm. and let these companies just literally go under that way. I don't think you need to you need to ban certain types yeah. of cigarettes. Well, it's not just the cigarette companies; it's also the government agencies. I pay more in taxes than I do. Oh yeah, it's crazy how yeah. much it is now. So, um, by the way, when I was a kid, I remember going to the candy store and getting the candy cigarettes. You remember those? I remember them. That's yeah. what got me started. Oh really? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what this is kind of the same sort of thing. It's getting you hooked. That's right. Um, Okay, we are at an hour 49. We've covered the state propositions, right? Have we missed any? Um, county. We're going to get to the county ones now. Okay. Okay, we still have people on the live stream. If you're watching on the live stream, thank you. We're going to go into the county ones next, and um, we'll go through the list. And the state number one. Oh, let's do the state number one now. Okay. Okay, because uh, we went through all the other state ones. Okay. So why don't you read it, what it, what it says? Constitutional. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop right there. No. Constitutional right to reproductive freedom, legislative constitutional amendment. Amends California Constitution to expressly include an individual's fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which includes the fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and the fundamental right to choose or refuse contraceptives. This amendment does not narrow or limit the existing rights to privacy and equal protection under the California Constitution. There's a lot in there. You want to share your thoughts or you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, because I know this is a hot topic. But we have a couple of comments on the live stream, which we'll get back to as soon as we finish going over this issue. Uh, let's see. Let's see if them first. You want to see them first? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's 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 go to the audience first. We'll find out what's up here. And uh, who do we got here? It's uh, 
uh, from Delena Olps, and she says, Yuri is not, we're going back to some old topics. Yuri is not the only mayor candidate that is self-funded. There's others. If he wanted to be 100% factual and transparent, he would pull records before making statements like that to boost himself up. I think we are talking about there's two other candidates that are not really serious candidates mm-hmm. that probably haven't raised much money, if any. If any. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm assuming Yuri meant of the three that seem to have active campaigns. Um, Delana goes on to say, I used to get those bubblegum cigarettes off the ice cream truck in the 90s. They were doing those in the 90s. I remember in the 70s, I would get my baseball cards. And, and then we would sometimes, it was just like a sugar it was. tube. It was yeah. kind of goofy. Because yeah. you know, my, my parents smoked and you'd like goof off when you're nine years old like you were smoking. But it was really bad candy too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yuri Bolin goes on to say, Mr. Asaravarla confirmed that the other night, the two other mayor candidates, the other candidates for mayor, one dropped out. The other one has not done anything. Yeah. So I think we're all sort of saying the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and Delena goes on to say, Yuri, there are five candidates for mayor. Yes, there are five, but three are active and two kind of aren't. Right. So uh, it just depends on how you define the field. Okay. So let's get back to the um, constitutional. Yeah. You seem to be really hung up on that part of it. Yeah. Um, you remember Prop 8 in 2010 was the constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage in California, mm-hmm. and that passed. Mm-hmm. And then it was later ruled unconstitutional and overturned by the courts, um, which was shocking for a blue state like California. Right. And there was a lot of controversy about that. But I'll, I'll just share my thoughts on this. Um, I'm a, a gigantic yes on this. I mean, over the top, yes. Um, and I'll explain why. Um, first of all, um, I strongly believe in a woman's right to choose, that it's her body, her choice. There can be nothing more fundamental of your own life, liberty, pursuit of happiness than being able to choose on your own body. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a big supporter of it. And I also believe that the role of government in my ideal utopian world is to protect our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Therefore, a constitutional amendment to um, encode this into law and make it very difficult to overturn for me is consistent with my values. Some people will say, let me just finish. We already have a state law that does that. Right. Go ahead. Okay. So this goes a step further because it makes it harder for that state law to be overturned if it's a constitutional amendment. Correct. And I think constitutional amendments are important, like the constitutional amendment that gave women the right to vote. Even though some states have passed laws that allowed women to vote, I support that as a constitutional amendment. Um, the same thing is true um, when they <laughs> – not when they prohibited alcohol, but when they reversed the prohibition. And, um, I supported that uh, amendment even though I wasn't alive at the time. But to go a step further um, – some people will say, well, if you support the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, what about the life of the fetus inside the woman? That's always the comeback line. And my angle on this is, is that the mother or the woman's right always takes precedence. And, and a right, a definition of a right is a, is a concept like a freedom of an individual action in a social context. That's what a right is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a free, a, a free, a right of individual 
action in a social context doesn't really apply to a fetus, in my opinion. So end result of this is, is that Prop 1 will encode this as law and protect individual liberty to a higher degree, and that has my full support. Okay. Um, I support the law. I don't support this mm-hmm. because it is a insufficient constitutional change. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting angle. It doesn't go far enough. Hmm. Okay. I think there should be constitutional amendments for the protection of individual life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Yeah. In the state of California. Yeah. Separate from the United States government. Yeah. All right. Well, that'd be great. (laughs) All right. Now, the reason I say that is because you will get into a battle for the right to life people who are still struggling with when does life commence. Correct. All right. Yeah. So that turns into a quagmire of decision making. Right. So if you back up a step. Okay, to the two participants, male of the species, female of the species, that creates the life. That's a little tricky these days. (laughs) Right, but I got your point. Okay. Yeah. Then the responsible party is the female. Correct. It's her body. Yep. Okay, so it's her decision. Yep. Now, in cases of rape and incest, we get into the issues with religious organizations. This country is founded on separation of church and state. Yep. All right. So when I say, let's make a constitutional amendment for the protection of the rights of individuals. Yeah. That gets rolled into the equation. Okay. Okay. Well. To make that permanent. Remember, my dad lost his job over the definition of church and state. Oh, you told me that story. Yeah, 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 I remember that. So this has very deep roots in me uh, as an individual. So many nuances to this. Oh, yeah. It yeah. goes deep. So back at the beginning, 40 minutes ago maybe, when I said constitution. Yeah. All right. Focus on that word of this one. Now, will I vote yes for it? Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, it, but the, what's gonna be, it's going to get challenged. It's going to go through the same thing. Oh, of course it will. Legally, yeah. okay, and that's a loss of money. Yeah. We're supporting the lawyers again. Yeah. All right. But we really ought to have representative government that understands this concept that there are forces in this nation that are not working in our California state's best interest. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and therefore, we should become ready for succession. Oh, oh, here we go. Well, that's there's a lot of talk about that in America as well. Absolutely. Um, that's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit hole, which, okay. I'm, which I'm aware about and I aware of and I think about. Okay, I, I want to get to a couple of comments okay. here. Um, it seems like Yuri and Delena are still having an argument. Um, <laughs> oh, there's Mike. You know, they're still on the ballot. Delena says, and Delena goes, "Well, it was on your mayoral page, but Yuri 
Okay, we're, they're, they're arguing amongst yeah. themselves. Mike Devine has joined the conversation. Mike Devine. Now, Mike, we referenced you earlier on in this podcast. I addressed all of your objections that you listed in the YouTube comments from the Amita Saravala podcast. You have to go back and listen to So you have to, to go back and listen to that. So Mike goes on to say, life begins at conception. That is not a difficult concept. We can still define legal life differently, like at three. <laughs> 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 so, anyways, I, he's he's got a granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, I All saw right. the so pictures. He, so he's into this yeah. thing now. So again, th- this is this is why I wanted to wait till near the end to go into this proposition because there's no change in people's minds on this one. No. You are in one camp or the other, and you don't want to hear the other side. Right. Um, uh, he says, like at three, and he goes, oh yeah, months, um, <laughs> months. I missed it, and. Uh, my wife and I enjoy listening to the propositions. This is the first time with great detail on different views. Okay, right on here. I'm glad you enjoy this. Okay, let's get to the local ones. Okay, okay. we're at two hours. Okay, and we're still going strong. Going for three. Yeah, we're going for three. <laughs> okay, so we're going to now shift gears and we're going to cover the San Diego County Local Measures Preview. And this is, and we're not going to go crazy into depth, but we're going to cover these. So. Um, and some of the, some of these are for the county. Some of these are for the city of San Diego. So there's none for Poway. Only one on my ballot. Well, just Prop A or yeah. Measure A because it's for the whole county. Right. Um, but there's some of these are like for the city of Lemon Grove and Chula Vista and Escondido. But they're interesting topics. Oh. Um, so Prop A, which is the one we'll be able to vote on, is a tax on cannabis, on marijuana. And the way it works is, is that they're going to tax – marijuana dispensaries in unincorporated territory, like Ramona, as an example, that's not a legit municipality. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're going to increase taxes on cannabis in unincorporated areas, and they're going to use that money for uh, parks, fire safety, roads, health, et cetera. And I think I'm assuming they're doing this because a lot of individual cities have created their own individual marijuana dispensary tax. And now this is going to apply to the county unincorporated area. What do you think of this? This has got me puzzled. This really does. Um, there's a battle going on in the cannabis industry mm. between the newly legalized dispensary, medical or otherwise, okay, and black market underground. Yeah, that still exists. It still exists. Yeah. And um, I think we have to get the situation under control before we can start taxing it. So I'm leaning towards saying no. Mm-hmm. All right. But on the other hand, <laughs> okay, if I say yes to this, then they, their cost structure goes up. Cannabis shop, yeah, because it, it's like a sales tax, so the yeah. the people will be paying it. Yeah. yeah. So, what kind of a curveball will that throw between the people who buy from legal dispensaries and the people who well, yeah. use the black market? It's, well, it, it'll become for some people. They'll say, "Well, screw this. I'm just going to buy it from you know my buddy who Fred. grows it, yeah. and uh, and that way I don't have to pay these extra taxes." And that was the whole thing that they were trying to do is bring it into the light, right? You know, rather than in the underground. Yeah. So yeah. I, I haven't I haven't fully re- rescued wrestled this one to the ground yet. 
Um, Navy days, I wasn't allowed to. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I did partake for a period of time until I realized it was not a good influence. You smoked what you didn't inhale? <laughs> no. That was Clinton. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And when I noticed it was having an impact on the kids, uh, me being sneaky around the house, mm-hmm. I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a vested interest in it. But I do have a vested interest on behalf of my shipmates. Mm. And there's a shit pot full of veterans that need this for oh, yeah. traumatic stress. Yeah, them. yeah. So I'm very concerned about the yeah. marijuana marketplace. And I do not want to make it unaffordable for the ones that need it. Yeah. Okay. So that's my interest is not so much for me personally, from business point of view, it's strictly focused on let's help these people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a giant no on this one. Okay. And it's for a lot of the things we talked about. It just it makes legal business more challenging. So customers are going to do it more illegally, which kind of goes against what we're trying to fight. At the same time, it makes a medicine more expensive, mm-hmm. which is wrong, in my opinion, especially when the government's taxing it that way. But the, the, and the and there's other people that object to this because they said you're making people, let's just say hypothetically in Ramona in an unincorporated area or Julian pay extra taxes. But then that money doesn't get spent in their community. It could be spent anywhere in yeah, the county. Anywhere. Yeah. And they said some people say that's not fair. Um, but the other part of this that I don't like, it's kind of like that proposition for the wildfires and electric vehicles, it's like they, they want to go and say, we're going to tax these people to pay for all of this stuff that benefits these yeah, other people. Yeah, and, and I think with the, if you have like a consistent sales tax across the board that funds all that stuff, I'm okay with it. But if you're like saying, well, this product, we're going to do more and that one, we're a little bit less. And then it just gets jerry-rigged and it gets all whacked out. And then you get all these unintended consequences where people say, well, screw that. I'm going to go back to my dealer that I've been using since high school. Mm. Right? Right. Okay. So I think I'm a big no on that one. We've got a couple more comments on the live stream. Um, Hopefully it's uh, Delena and Yuri aren't still arguing with each other. (laughs) Mike Devine, no new taxes. Um, Delena Olp says, I enjoy this as well. Obviously, as a woman, I want to keep the right to my body. (laughs) I I support your right, Delena. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that feel differently. Uh, Delena says, I'm a Republican. Really? Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm a Republican. I think you mentioned that before. Delena says, I'm a Republican, but I'm a woman first, and my health should be in my hands. Just like private property rights are respected, my body should be respected, and decisions should be made by me. I mean, what could be more private property than your own body. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. We're kind of born with that. We're hitting all the talking points for uh, the abortion issue. Um, okay. So we're where do, both, where are we going time? I know uh, we're at two hours and five minutes. We're going to blow through these. I mean, there's a lot of them, but we're going to, yeah. these other ones will go faster. Okay. Right. I'm putting my paperwork away because I'm done with the issues. Of okay. How Weegans vote on. Yeah. We're done with the Poway stuff, but we're going to, that's why the rest of these, we're going to go boom, boom, boom. So the, in San Diego, city of San Diego, this is measure B. They want to, right now, if you live in a single family home, your trash uh, fees are included in your property tax. Okay. If you live in an apartment building, you have to pay extra for trash. Uh. And so most cities have trash as a separate bill. 
So this would, if Measure B passed, it would make all trash as a separate bill. So some people interpret that as a tax increase. Um, Other people just don't want to have to pay more. But then other people think it should be separate so it's consistent. What do you think? I pay it separately. It's no big thing. Yeah, I think it should be separate. Um, I I think it's uh, trash pickup. It's not something government should be involved in. I'm great friends with the trash people in my neighborhood. Yeah, just let them do their business and we'll pay them for that service. Prop C is removing, this is an interesting one, removing the 30-foot height limit on buildings in the sports arena area. You know, because they're talking about redoing that whole oh, thing. Oh, they got a height restriction thing, too. And that's the California Coastal Commission has that limit. Um, and they passed it passed uh, to the voters, passed it to to turn over this 30 foot limit. But then it got overturned in the courts. And now the 30 foot limit is back in place. <coughs> now, apparently, they've rewritten this proposition or this measure to make it legal. So if, if the voters agree, it'll become law. Do you think there should be a height limit? Of 30 feet around the sports arena? God, it's not my neighborhood. Something I see from in the end of Interstate 8 when I'm heading on my way to the beach, Ocean Beach, if I'm going to Ocean Beach. <sighs> see, we have a height limit in Poway, and that's become a source of controversy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You see, I come from New England. Mm-hmm. Yes, I lived in a suburban area, so I could see the trees. Um, but the thing I like about California is the terrain. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, I like my visibility, so I'm going to stick with the... The limit? The limit. See, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a yes on this. I think the limit should be abolished because we have a housing crisis. We need more units, and you can't really go horizontal very much because there's not enough land. So you have to go vertical. And I think a lot of the California Coastal Commission has set up the limit mostly by, I think, rich people that live near the coast to protect the coastline. And because the they don't. The is nowhere close to the coast. It sort of kind of is. It's right there along the river. It's not too far from like uh, river, Sunset, yeah, okay. Sunset Close. All right. All right. So, yeah, all right. so um, I think the, the fear is, is that the coastline will turn into Waikiki Beach, you know, with all these hotels and everything. Uh, but I, I'm a big yes on this. Uh, okay. and, and frankly, that whole area needs to be completely redeveloped, in my opinion. Okay. Measure D was, is interesting. This is, this is a tricky one. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Measure D involves um, labor contracts and whether those should be allowed or not allowed in city government initiatives for construction have you you probably don't know much about this one it's yeah. too complicated to go through it we'll we'll skip this one the next one's interesting is in the city of San Diego measure H would allow facilities in city parks to be used for daycare facilities because it's hard for people to find daycare providers a lot of times because they don't have a place to have daycare but a lot of these community parks have a community center, center. or some kind of a building that's mostly unused mm-hmm. and they want to allow that. And apparently there's limits on what those buildings can be used for and childcare is not one of them. So this would open that up for, I would, I would vote for that. Yeah, me too. So I would be a yes if I could. Um, 
in Carlsbad, they want to spend between tw- you think we remember we had a pool problem in Poway, mm-hmm. and there was controversy. They want to spend between twenty two and twenty four million dollars to upgrade their pool in, in the city of Carlsbad. Isn't that incredible. So that's going to go to the vote. Yeah, they got it. They're a lot closer to the ocean. Yeah, I mean, why you, why you have a city pool? <laughs> I can agree. I understand it to a degree in Poway yeah. compared to Carlsbad. Now you put that pool in a high school. That's another story. Yeah, this is uh, um, what do they say? It's the Monroe Street Pool. I'm assuming it's a city-run public pool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a hell of a big renovation. Twenty-two to twenty-four million. Um, I liked the competition I was in when I was a high school student because I was on the swim teams. I liked the competition. Yeah. It was very helpful. So if the Carlsbad's pool system sponsors swim teams, I'd have to think about it hard. Yeah, they probably won't. It'd be like our city pool, you know, where it's a public pool. Yeah. in the city of El Cajon, they want to raise the sales tax a half cent, um, and it would be used to fund general services, police officers, abating homeless camps, increasing funding for homeless intervention, and expanding fire services. Mm-hmm. So you see this in a lot of cities I would that vote, are increasing yeah, sales tax. I would vote against that right now, All right, because I think we have not seen the impact of property taxes having gone through the ceiling since COVID. Yeah. All right. I know my property values increased. My tax, if I it was to sell my home, the person buying into that place has a hell of a lot more property pay, oh, yeah. tax to pay than I yeah. have. And that's what's happening. All right. I think the city budget of Poway is going to see a significant increase as these condos get sold and people move into Yeah, I think that's part of their their strategy. I think it's coming, yeah. 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 So. Well, you know, we, we just got our, you know, uh, we, we had to pay our property tax bill just a few weeks ago, right? Because they're due now. I got the bill. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, we pay for it separate. We don't have it in a, um, S, what yeah. do they call that? Same an escrow? Yeah. In any, or an impound account. Impound account. Yeah. Um, but. Ours went up significantly. We're like, what the hell happened? And because when uh, we bought this house in 07 and then the market you know, took a dump and then we had it reassessed by the county and, and took advantage of a lower right. assessed value. But then they had the, the right to come back in and readjust it when the market changed. And so we got hit with that adjustment. Uh, and then our property tax bill went up a lot. But it can go up no more than I think – a. A two percent increase year over year. Mine's one percent. Well, it's a one percent tax, but the assessed value can go up no more than two percent a year. Uh, I, I think. I thought it was one. I think. Okay. Well, it maybe I'm be. wrong. Yeah. But this is to increase the sales tax in El Cajon, and it, well, the crazy thing that's interesting to me is that a lot of people don't understand this: is that the sales tax there's a state layer, mm-hmm. then there's a county layer. And then some cities have a city layer. Right. And that's why some cities, the sales tax is over 10%. Over 10%. Right. What is it here in Poway? Seven and three quarters? I think it is, yeah. So, yeah, I would vote no on this um, for the city of El Cajon. Then there's measure 
E in Escondido, similar, a three-quarter cent sales tax they want to bump up. Um, oh, in, in Escondido, they have a measure for term limits. Um, that's measure F in Escondido. Two terms for a mayor and three terms for a city council member. Interesting. Three terms for a people serving as city treasurer, whether consecutive or not. Yeah. What do you think of that? you support term limits? Yeah, I have to now. Yeah, me too. I think those are important. Yeah. Because uh, Del- Delena would be probably a good person to talk to on that. Okay. That, so. Well, speaking of Delena, the, the live stream is lighting up with commentary here. And uh, let's see what we got. A bunch of people chiming in. Um, and Mike Devine says, I support cannabis for PTSD, but I hate the smell. <laughs> I remember of the person that needs it or the cannabis. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like my, the first rock concert I ever went to was in Utah and it was very clean smell. <laughs> the second rock concert I went to was in the San Francisco cow palace and woo, my friends warned me and yeah, yeah. it was something. Yeah. Uh, Mike Devine goes on to say water bills in Houston were part of property taxes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think, when you parse it out, you can understand what you're paying for. You know, yes. the risk, of course, is is that it keeps adding up to more and more. But yeah. I like more line items yeah. that there's more control of. Mike, just to let you know, that'll be a future thing for me and John here about the water bills in Poway. I've, I'm working on something. and well, You have an app. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. Don't okay. bleed too much. I just All right, we'll, we'll get into that, that in the future. Okay, Mike Devine goes on to say, Coastal Commission has a 20-foot limit except for the Catamaran Hotel. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's really two stories, right? Isn't yeah. like roughly 10 feet a story? Yeah. Um, there is one really tall building, though, kind of near the sports arena. I don't know how they had an exception to that made. There's yeah. one that's like about eight stories tall. Well, first thing that popped in my mind is how high for the aircraft leaving Lindbergh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, out of the flight path. Yeah, they're out of the flight path. Um, Delana Alp says, so with the legalization of cannabis, I understand there is candy and flavors. So how does the flavor tobacco targeting kids influence cannabis, how cannabis is flavored? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, same, same there, Delana. No. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same <laughs> issue. Yeah. Uh, Mike Devine corrected himself. He was sorry. I meant 30 feet. Yeah. Oh. So it is 30. Um, coastal commission limits height to 30 feet, except for the Catarant hotel. Um, and the rides at SeaWorld. <laughs> they could be higher. Um, the whole world is changing on housing. Yeah. And I think allowing taller buildings is part of it. Uh, Delena says, does that make sense? What's the difference between flavored cannabis and flavored tobacco? I'm not a smoker, so just want to hear other perspectives. <laughs> yeah, it is. See, this is when you start having things where you ban this, but not that, but ban not that, but not this. It yeah. just gets to be a confusing mess. Yeah. Um, I used to smoke Marlboro, just to answer the question, I used to smoke Marlboro Red. Uh, they're very intense. Uh, I am now with 100s, which is a very light oh. batch of it. Okay. The kinder, gentler. Kinder, right. gentler. Then there's also the menthol. There's a lot of people that like the menthol cigarettes. And, and they were are, talking about banning those or taxing those at a higher amount in some yeah, cities. Yeah, they were. They, they, I don't think it... Came up. No, it's not here, yeah. but it's it's been an issue because apparently the African American community uses them more than others. And right, it's a right, thing. right. So it gets, yeah, it gets down that twisted path. But Delena, the the, the 
candy-flavored cigarettes is out because of the child impact from my way of thinking. Right. Okay. You just let the kid make up his – I was 14 before I started smoking. Hmm. All right. Was that the age of – should be to make those kind of decisions? Probably not. I should have probably forced myself to wait till 16 or 18, whatever mm-hmm. those thresholds are. But, yeah, as a 10-year-old, no. Yeah. Because it is it is an addiction. But I still- have an addiction. I mean, Wendy is going to be shocked that I've done over two hours in a podcast without a cigarette. <laughs> Because um, I don't usually go that long without a cigarette. Well, thank you for being so dedicated to the John Riley Project that you can keep your addiction at bay. Uh, this is important. Okay, we're almost near the end. I know you're probably scratching for one. So, I know. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is even, let's just say hypothetically, there were candy-flavored cigarettes. You still need to be 18 to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So really what they're talking uh, yeah, about— but Don't forget— that the kids hanging outside of the tobacco stores, slipping money to the yeah, guy. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Well, okay, let's move on. Um, there are term limits in Escondido. Um, Imperial. This is an interesting one. Imperial Beach wants to increase the the transient occupancy tax, which is like the tax on hotels and on rental cars. You know, for all the tourists, mm-hmm. they want to increase that by four percent. To generate money to pay to keep neighborhood beaches clean and parks clean and uh, maintain 9-11 emergency response. What do you think about that tax on tourists? I I lived in Imperial Beach for a year. Mm -hmm. I lived on the beach. I was very fortunate. Uh, I was 30 feet away from the ocean. Nice. Really nice. Um, But today we have a bigger problem. We have the sewage. Oh, it's a mess down there. Yeah. Yeah. So they are operating under reduced tourism as it is. Yeah. Because nobody can go swimming there. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I don't think that's time right. Yeah. That's a a big issue to solve. If if they take that money to help with keeping the beaches open, then that's another story. Well, you know, the, the, I've always, I remember a friend of mine told me this, and it's stuck with me. He says the transient occupancy tax is the very definition of taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like but in this Hawaii case, Hawaii thrives on it. Well, they have, yeah, that's how they generate their money. But yeah. so the, like the case of Hawaii, the Hawaiians are enacting a tax on people that don't live in Hawaii. Right. And the people that are paying the tax have no representation on that government that enacted the tax. Having lived there for five years, I understand what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. Is because the tourist in Hawaii typically does not realize they're abusing the state. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're going to come over here and make a mess of where we live, then we're going to charge you to fix it. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. I understand that completely. Is yeah. It taxation without representation? Well, do you want to go through the educational process of chaining the people? But what they're doing over here is not good for the island. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I understand that argument. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, 
what percentage of the people in Hawaii are tourists at any given time. It's got to be it's massive. at least 20%, if not 40. Worked out good in my case yeah. one time. I remember I never had a relationship with a girl that lasted more than two week, 10 days to two weeks. They were always tourists. Oh. All right. Waikiki. Okay. All right. Summer fun. Summer fun. It only worked out perfectly once. I took her to the airport, took the girl I'd been seeing for the last two weeks to the airport. She was going home. Bye. And as I walked out of the gate, past another gate, the girl had just come off the plane. And she was obviously lost. She was out of her element. I said, may I help you? And she said, well, I've got to figure this out. Who's my next girlfriend for the next two weeks? I was 15 minutes from one girlfriend to really? the next Boy. at the airport. You it were was fabulous. You're a ladies' man. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. That's awesome. Um, we're, we're, I mean, I just want to comment one more thing. Is that we were, uh, we went to um, Arizona mm-hmm. and one year we went there just to go to the spring training baseball games, which is a fun thing to do in March. Mm-hmm. And you get to go see all the different teams, all these different stadiums. And we rented a car. Mm -hmm. And on the rental car invoice, there are all these extra line items, right? And one of them is a transient occupancy tax, which is like, I don't know, 10 or 12%. But they had an actual line item called the spring training tax. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it was because that they were charging all these tourists extra money to help fund the development of all these you know, baseball facilities that were surrounding Phoenix. And I'm like, holy shit, I've never seen a baseball spring training tax, but there it was. So anyways. But you were paying for what you were enjoying. Yeah, but I already paid for it. You know, they should just pack, they should package it into the ticket price. Damn tourists are all like Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I've got some more comments here on the live stream. Uh, this is uh, from Delana. Hey, I'm with you on this, Mike. Wow, we agree, LOL. <laughs> I think you're talking about the cannabis thing, I'm guessing. Uh, Mike Devine says, Carlsbad makes Poway Pool look, look economical. Yeah, how much was the... Uh, yeah, the Poway Pool renovation was just a few million. That's why I came in this podcast, because you, you asked these questions to the group out there. And yeah. That's the only way I can answer it. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's gone. It's off topic. Um, Mike goes, no new taxes in El Cajon. And, oh, Pete, Tony Russo joining us. Hey, there are my two buddies. All right. We were talking <laughs> about you, Tony, in the early part of the podcast. Well, we had a whole segment de- dedicated to the folks at Holly Oak and the uh, impromptu press conference. So I encourage you to go back and the watch beginning. the recorded yeah. version. Uh, Mike Devine says, by downsizing, my property taxes went from $13,000 down to $8,000, but I had to move. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of benefits to downsizing, you yeah. know. So, uh, yeah, property taxes um, are Jumping. a lot. Even though the percentage in the state of California is like somewhere in the middle of the 50 states, the check we write is a big check. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Just a just a couple of fast ones here. Solana Beach also has a sales tax increase. We've kind of covered a lot of cities are doing that. The city of Lemon Grove has a $27 million bond measure for schools. We've Why does that sound familiar? Sounds familiar. It's only $27 million, not a billion. billion. Um, and then San Diego Unified has a $3.2 billion school bond. Oh, boy. And this is like they have other school bonds. And it's like we thought our situation was bad. It's worse there. So, yeah. so it's a similar themes. 
Um, cities trying to generate more revenue. Poway's doing it by building more property, you know, building more homes. Yeah. Then there's the school bond measures. There's cannabis issues. There's um, building height issues. There's trash issues. Kind of interesting. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. So, um, wow. Our live stream audience thinking we're at two hours and 26 minutes. I think Pete's running out of energy and I am too. I got to so. have a cigarette, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do want to uh, talk about the future podcast with me and this is after election I needed to look I am here strictly because I wanted to come in here before the votes are all cast yeah. I said this at the beginning of the podcast because uh, it's really hit me between the running lights is how bad our whole voting process in, in Poway has gotten with the problem with the outside money coming in oh yeah alright it's I mean Meat covered it. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of good numbers from them, but it just backed up the same gut feel that I have. Uh, with and I needed to come and say it because I'm not running for office. But damn it, well, this is a problem. There, are a lot of people were really taken aback by that. Now, and granted, most of the shock and awe are from our Democratic friends. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine a lot of Republicans feel the same way. Oh, they're probably going shit howdy. Yeah, yeah. Like, how in the hell is there so much money in our city? But then if you look around at what's going on, yeah. there's right. a lot of outside influence. Sorry. I spoke – I'm so emotional about this issue. I just spoke out of turn. I said Republicans probably said shit howdy. <laughs> they have a right to say that. Yeah, they do. All right. They're entitled to their side of it. Okay. Uh-huh. But I think it's absolutely criminal that people are coming in with brochures, derogatory brochures. Oh yeah, from outside money. Yeah, it's just just reprehensible. Well, it's gotten ugly. It's the, really ugly. I mean, there the, there has been like serious hit pieces, and we've seen that in previous election cycles to much smaller degrees. Mm -hmm. um, but this election season, yes. oh my god. Yeah. I mean, they're coming after Soto. Um, I think I'm not sure they're coming after any of. They're going after Delta. I know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's you know because there's a lot of money involved. There's a yeah. lot of profit at stake, uh, and that's why there's a lot riding on this election. That's why people are putting so much money in. Yep. It's yep. it's it's amazing. Uh, so anything else? Because before I get to my thing, okay, let's get to your thing. All right. Unless there anyone in the audience has any more questions or comments about Poway elections, because Pete's going to take us down a completely new and interesting path. Yeah. And it, it's tied into the John Riley project. Perfect. Okay. So um, I want to talk to you about Oh Mau Mau. Oh Mau Mau. I've mentioned this to you before. Oh Mau Mau is the name... Uh, given to something that came through our um, solar system in 2017. Now, I have done podcasts before here with John um, about my friend uh, Mike, who suffered a motorcycle accident on Hawaii, um, had his leg crushed. Two, there's two podcasts. Uh, one of them's near death experience. 
and I don't remember what the title of the other one is, but that'll tell you the story behind something that hit Mike very hard and me emotionally very hard. Uh, so I got everybody to cooperate, and we came and talked about this amazing thing of the recovery process and how things were so... You've heard, seen my podcast maybe on contiguous coils of life that mm, we live on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So just recently I was over on my favorite island, Maui, and I was in a new resort, and I went out to the smoking area, and there was a guy there dressed like a biker. We are right next to the beach. But he was dressed as a biker. I okay, we got something in common here. I asked him, so how was the ride getting here or something like that, something related to motorcycles. And that started a whole conversation. It turns out this guy is an engineer who works at the top of Haleakala under contract right now. Wow, that's in Maui. Yeah, on top of – yeah, that volcano at the top. Right. Well, he works at the Solar Observatory. Cool. Temporarily. They're working on the mechanics of the telescope up there on the top of Haleakala. He spends five days a week up there at 10,000 feet and gets two days off to come down, and he stays at different resorts around. But that's why he was at the resort I was at. So very interesting story. But he is not only working up there, but he's doing some research as well on this thing that came into our solar system in 2017, just after Mike Smith had his accident. We were going to the top of Haleakala to observe the solar noon on the summer solstice. That was all me. That's totally you. (laughs) Totally me. I wanted to be at 10,000 feet seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, the top of Haleakala. And unfortunately, on the way up, Mike had his wreck. Mm -hmm. All right. That's we had that near-death experience podcast episode. Yep. Yeah. That was it. That was the story behind it. So I didn't know anything about O-Mau-Mau at that particular point in time, and it caught caught my interest. What are you talking about? He told me about this thing, and I'm digging into it now because the scientists, astronomers of the world, they're on both sides of the fence and having an intense discussion. Because uh, this thing's totally unique. So this is a thing they've identified in space that's entered our solar system, and they don't know what it is. Came in and left. Interesting. All right. Now, what's interesting, even more so about it, was they only tracked it for a very brief period of time. It happened to be tracked with the telescope for the solar observatory. If they hadn't been using that telescope to look at the sun, they would never have seen this thing. It would have come into our atmosphere and gone, I mean, into our solar system Mm -hmm. and gone without anybody knowing it. But they mathematically plotted this thing. All right. And um, they said, well, if it, it was here at this speed and it's doing this arc, it should have come into our solar system over here. And that's what they tasked this guy. This, that's where this guy is working now. He's looking at 
where it should have been and going back through the data on the telescope to find out when did we did we see it come in wasn't there so it's not following Newton's laws the way an asteroid and gravity and everything else would work correct it has its own agenda on which direction it goes correct yeah, right. <laughs> so it's not like an asteroid or a comet, nope. which is predictable, the right. trajectory. Um, so is this a UFO? Is it a sign of intelligence? Here, here's the interesting thing that I think about it. Okay. Yeah, it left in 27, came into the solar system in 2017, shortly after mm-hmm. our accident. That's when they first spotted it. Okay, well, when did it actually enter? Could it have been? on the summer solstice in 2017 when Mike had his accident. Mm -hmm. When did it leave? We don't know. Wow. This thing gets its speed from a gravitational pull. Do they know that? It was on that trajectory. It matched for the two months that they followed it. Okay. It followed that curve. It was accelerating as it went towards the sun, Mm -hmm. and then it exceeded the speed, and it left. We have a – planets are sort of like in the same plane. Yeah. Okay. I think – except Neptune, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It came in just above, Mm -hmm. all right, and they came around the sun and went straight up and out. Completely different from what you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the speculation is this is an alien craft on a fuel stop. Yeah, sucking up some uh, – Came uh, in. We, get some solar energy. It doesn't know about us. This is a real EV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, solar powered, right? Yeah. All right. But you remember – remember? did you ever see the movie The Martian? Mm-hmm. I remember how they had to take and go, was it around the sun and use it as sort of like a whip yep. to get the, the speed to go back to Mars. I wonder if that's around what the they Earth. were doing. Yeah, that's exactly the way this thing navigates. Interesting. And then once they probably got the energy and they got the acceleration, then they kind of hit the button and took control and yeah. went off on their own way. So this guy's Steve. This is great. This guy's Steve that's doing the research. He and I are yeah. conversing back. This and biker forth. dude. This biker dude. Yeah, but he's a scientist. He's he's an engineer. An engineer, pardon me. Part, part-time scientist. Yeah, yeah. Hobby. But he said, Pete, he says, you've gone cross-country in your car. And I said, yeah. He says, can you remember what you did when you stopped for gas in Kansas? And no. I remember maybe I talked to the person at the cash register or something mm-hmm. like that. He says, it's on a fuel stop. This thing that came into our solar system is on a fuel stop. In Kansas, it doesn't care about wow. us. They're on their way to where their destination, wherever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing is just mind-boggling. That's so cool. And, and it's, the fact that it overlays, the timing overlays with not only the original trip to the top of Haleakala, but to learn about it after. Well, yeah, and then just to bring the audience up to speed, this was a trip where – um, you know, your friend, our friend now, Mike, um, suffered a tragic accident, was in a coma, was at 
really on the edge of death, right? He, he, we did not at the time realize how close to death he was. And then he, when he came back, he shared stories of engaging with, you know, he believes it's God, God, um, and, and many different manifestations. Yeah. And the stories are fascinating. And that's in a podcast. We've done two of them with Mike. Them. Um, the, uh, the near death experience is the one. It's and, the first one that that's where we describe going. All right. All right. The second one is when we finally made it to the top of Haleakala. Right. Cause you finally got back out there and did we your- finally got back there. So Mike had a chance to memorialize the location where he almost. And that out. was cool. But if you do watch the uh, the original podcast, uh, the near uh, near death experience, Pete didn't talk into his microphone at the very beginning of the right, podcast. Right, right. So you might have to skip forward a little bit um, and, and hear Mike, because we had a three way here in the podcast studio. That Umama, when I hear that name, I'm thinking of that old like surf song from the sixties, like yeah. a Papa Umama, Papa Umama, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's an amazing story. It and is. Especially when you take a look at the shape of this thing. Of the uh, aircraft? Of, of the... Or the trajectory. Yeah. It's 250 feet around. Oh. 2,500 to 3,000 feet long. So it's cigar-shaped. <laughs> Very long. Yeah. Like no asteroid or comet that we've ever seen. Yeah. So this right. is on the lowdown. No one's talking about it in the in the, in the mainstream media. Okay, You've this all, is like have, an episode, an Art Bell episode. Have you have you like seen this. the movie Arrival? Yes. Yeah. You remember where this is where they go out and they communicate with the aliens that yeah. just happened by. Yeah. What's the shape of the spaceship? Yeah, it's, it's long and narrow, <laughs> and it's standing vertical, like a it's, few feet off the ground. It's oh my wow. <laughs> There's so much that we don't know, you know. Yeah, I'm digging into this as one of my hobbies to research this thing. So uh, I have all the material together, and Steve gets me the tract of what actually it flew in and what the dates were. Uh, I want to find out more about this. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, that's it, well, folks. Not more quite yet. There, there oh. Just there's a few comments here. Oh. I want to give everyone a shot. All right. Okay. So. Um, and there were a few comments here, and where do we leave here? Uh, Mike Devine says, term limits violate people's choice, but I like them. Uh, well, term limits are people's choice. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah. uh, Tony Russo said, should be terms, uh, things start to stink after a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, once you're an incumbent, you have a huge advantage, and it's really hard to unseat an incumbent. So um, I think it's good to have fresh perspective and turnover. Um Delana Ope says, I, I would have loved if Poway had term limits, LOL. Well, that's what Dave Grush ran on. Yeah, and originally. Then he, originally, and he ended up violating his own rule. So, well, Dave is on his way to Did retirement. You pay attention to the way Dave voted on the issues in the city council meetings. He would often change his vote publicly to go along to get a 5-0 unanimous. Correct. Even though he disagreed. Yeah, even though he disagreed. So, anyway. That's disappointing. Um, you need to stand for your principles. Tony Russo said, Peter, a very smart man. Thank you, Tony. Yes, yes, you're right. I know, I know where you probably took that from, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pete's the rock, right? Uh, uh, Tony Russo, you're going to beat the Yuri record. Um, well, actually, the record, I think, is three hours and 15 minutes. John Carson. John Carson. And 
Chris Olps and I went over three, but not quite three fifteen. Okay. We're at two forty two. We're going to be oh well, sure. We're almost out. I'm not after the records anyway. Okay, Delano Olps says I was eighteen. I guess this is about starting smoking. I was eighteen because that was the legal age. And I tried smoking, just wasn't my cup of tea. My mom was a smoker. I think the age for tobacco is 21 now, John. Yeah, I think it is. Probably. So, you know, if they're making, yeah, we've talked about this, the yeah. candy-flavored cigarettes, they're, they're still illegal they're for still the illegal. youngsters. Because it's all black markets. Oh, my God, Pete, you're like a vacation romance story. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, minding my own business out on Maui, and I had this, met this guy, and yeah. yeah. Or, or no, maybe he's talking about meeting all the ladies. That's what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's that's a. That's I was a, a young sailor in those days. Yeah, that's a that's a book right there. Uh, Pow, uh, Talena says the Poway pool cost three point two million. Carlsbad wants between twenty two and twenty four million. It's about ten times. Yeah, it's going to be like a water park. I don't know. Delena says, Pete, you're absolutely right. Should not be having all this outside influence. I think most everyone agrees on yeah. that. Uh, Delena says we need to make. We need Mike Teal for this combo if there's a solar system stuff involved. Uh, Mike Teal is, I think, one of the guys. Is he on Poway Underground or Poway Under the Underground? I, I don't get, know. I get but them I, confused. I cross paths with him. I, lo- I really like Mike. Yeah. I've, well, I've engaged with him a few times, but uh, I don't remember anything specific. Yeah. So, yeah, we should have him on as a guest on the podcast. Uh, Tony Russo said, good for Mike and hope he is doing better. God bless him. I guess we're talking about Mike Teal. Um, Mike Smith, yeah. Oh, Mike Smith. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then Delena Olp says, Dave is already out. He's in Oregon. He said as much at council. Good on Dave for retiring. I know his daughter and grandchildren are up He'll there. He'll be back. Yeah. He'll be back. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy for him. Okay, Pete, any uh, final words of wisdom, parting shots? No. Um, people vote, please. Yeah, vote for sure. Um, don't. I always hang on for the 11th hour, so. Because you never know what kind of October surprise could happen. and You never know what could happen, what yeah. goes on in this place. But um, especially now that the corruption's come in. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's, it's, I feel very bad for the people who have had to spend their campaign money f- given to them by their friends to defend themselves from people who are attacking him who don't even live here yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's it's, it's very unfortunate it's it's ugly you would think that that sort of thing wouldn't happen in our little little old poway uh it's ugly um their personal attacks i mean it's the very definition of ad hominem right yeah it's rather than attacking the issue they're attacking the individual yeah uh, it's ugly and um and it really has no place in local politics but here we are here we are here we are. Okay, friends. Uh, so tomorrow um, we'll have uh, Frida Brunzel. She'll be joining us tomorrow at 7. I'm certain we won't go three hours with Frida, uh, especially if she's a little under the weather. But we'll have an opportunity to meet a candidate for school board. And I met Frida for a cup of coffee a few weeks ago. Um, she's very, very intelligent, really understands education issues. Excuse me. And a lot of other kind of social dynamics of what's going on in in schools. And she has a very interesting perspective. So we'll get to hear her point of view. And um, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that'll be the final political podcast unless a candidate contacts me and we squeeze him in and him or her into the last couple of days. And I'll be back to talk about Oh Mau Mau at a future date. Yeah. And we will do a podcast 
like a post-election podcast okay. to comment on the results. Um, and maybe we do that as a happy hour podcast. I know Delena wanted to do the happy hour one where we get everyone in a like a CNN box, oh, right. you know, yeah. we get three or four people on and we'll have the panelists and I've been wanting to do that. And if you want to That's do a it, Zoom call, right? Yeah. Just a zoom call. Yeah. Uh, so um, what you need to do is just uh, send me there. an email, send me an email to John at John Let me know if you're available for a Friday evening at seven. And if we get, you know, a couple of people that want to do it, we'll do it. Sounds good. Okay. Pete needs, his fix. <laughs> okay, friends. We'll see you all later. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.